Wrestling Geeks episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show with me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton, in which we break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews of shows that we just went past and future uh, PPVs or whatever the hell WWE calls them that are coming up and preview them. So strap in your seatbelt. It's going to be a fun show. Uh, new listeners, uh, definitely if you enjoy the show, give us a five-star rating. Subscribe to whatever platform. We're on pretty much every platform from Spotify to YouTube Music to iTunes. Just find us, subscribe, and uh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Chris, my good, amazing co-host, how are you doing today, Christopher Brother Ray Pat? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's been a busy-ass week. Uh, like, the software I work with is specifically related to schools. So we're headed back into that time. And Gwinnett County School starts back in, like, August 2nd. So it's been a big rush at work. But uh, how's your week been? What have you been watching? Um. All right. What have I been watching? I've been watching. I've been on a little bit of a Brian De Palmer kick. Um, I watched The Untouchables. Um, I watched Carlito's Way. Um, just watching a couple of his films. Uh, love The Untouchables. Uh, perfect concept for historical movies that are, uh, kind of seasoned with, uh, cinematic theatrics, if you will, to make a good film. And, uh, Carlito's Way, great film too. I really would like to know, since Al Pacino was playing a Puerto Rican in, you know, uh, New York, uh, where the fuck his accent came from, because that was confusing. Love Al Pacino. He's actually my number one favorite of all time, acting-wise. Uh, but I don't... It had some Southern qualities to it. It was like Four, Four Hong Leghorn or whatever the fuck from Mooney Tunes with a little New York and a little bit of a Spanish accent. Very interesting <laughs> shit. Sorry. <laughs> You 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 got me right in the feels of the foghorn leghorn. I didn't expect that to come out. Yeah, I expected them to go like that. No, no, you know, or 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 the uh, the guy from the Munsters when he was in um oh fuck what the hell don't go down the road no you know like that type of voice uh God why can't you oh, pet cemetery oh, oh fucking pet, pet cemetery oh yeah. that road we don't go down that road oh you don't do that you don't do that yeah. Uh, but, um, I think the biggest thing I wanted to mention, I also watched heat again for the first time in a long time. And I kind of came to the conclusion, Chris, that that was kind of the biggest film both those guys did. And then afterwards, you know, some comedy, some, some pretty big films here and there, but most part that was like kind of their last hurrah with Pacino and De Niro at the top of their game in the nineties. And an uh, incredible film. Michael Mann's one of the best directors, at least when it comes to making you feel that stress. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, there's one more film I want to talk about, but uh, do you like the movie Heat? Do you like Val Kilmer? I, I fucking love Heat. I, th- I feel like I talked about this because I watched it because it was free on YouTube. It was one of those like uh, watch with ads movies. And I was like, I haven't seen Heat in a long time. And I watched it like uh, three or four weeks ago. And I was like, holy shit, this movie is so good. It's been a while since I saw it. Get to the van. Um, <laughs> it's a fucking great movie. Also, Val Kilmer is a, a an angel. He's so beautiful. He is uh, an angel. <laughs> all joking aside, that's a fucking great movie. My favorite uh, line, well, you know, she's got to. <laughs> the guy's like, uh, wait, what the fuck is the line? Pacino's, the guy's like, Pacino's uh, improv line of, you know why? Because she's got a great ass. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guy's like, I don't know why I stay with her. <laughs> He's like, you want to know why? She's got a great ass. And you got and your head heads. up it. <laughs> yeah. It's so fucking good. And, um, my my favorite line of the entire movie is is probably De Niro when he like you know they get screwed out of that first deal with the uh, bank investor trying to when they're trying to resell the bonds and the guy's like who is this and he's like or he, he's like an empty telephone or whatever because <laughs> he's planning on fucking murdering <laughs> the dude shit is so hard he is so good dude and it it makes it for anyone out there that hasn't played like Payday two Go play Payday 2 and also support Payday 3 when it comes out. The games are so fucking good. And it is a cliche to like heat in any kind of heist type, the point break, whatever your heist film is, like those games are definitely geared towards it. And they're so, they're so fucking good. Those games are so fucking good. And you can kind of play them, like, especially Payday 2. And this game is old hat at this point because I think it came out like 2014. Um, or 15, but like you can do it by yourself. Like you can heist the entire bank by yourself if you're stealthy enough, or you can join up with your friends and have a whole heist. And then they have like, you know, brought in characters. They had like a Scarface mansion pack where you could go raid the Scarface mansion, like the end of the movie, <laughs> um, and try to get all the loot. It's it's fucking great. It's a great game. I hope the next one is good, and I hope they actually do uh, have like a very specific heat sequence because heat's fucking great, dude. It's a great fucking film. It's probably the best thing you watched. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's a masterclass of acting uh, with two of the best to ever do it. And also, I definitely think Val Kilmer's one hell of an actor and another role, uh, like Doc Holliday, like Jim Morrison, where it's like. Damn, Val Kilmer was underrated in the 90s. He just, he killed it. Chew up everything. What was the one where he was like the crackhead? Uh, Salt? Yeah. It, yeah, it was, he did that. And then he did some like B, you remember when he was doing like B movie horror stuff on Netflix? No, I didn't. For a not. while. He had like two, like one or two films on Netflix that were kind of, um, they were they were kind of in reference to a, a a Stephen King short story where basically it was it was basically re- revolved around Roanoke and I can't remember the Stephen King short story I think his movie was called The Long Storm or The Longest Storm and it was like a three part TV series uh, but there's a couple of movies that are made where they make Val Kilmer play the devil 
uh, which is they're they're well, I don't want to say they're pretty great. Val Kilmer is pretty fucking great. <laughs> the movies are just kind of what you expect from that kind of storyline. Um, yeah. So this is something that doesn't really get talked about. And I haven't heard it been brought up in any conversation about heat, but the very end scene of heat, that is a 1950s Western ass shootout. Right? Yes, it is. I mean, I could see something happening in like a late seventies, early eighties crime sort of thing, but yeah, it totally gave me a Western feel uh, for the ending itself. That was, like I said, Michael Mann's a pretty damn good director. The creator of a show in the 80s called uh, Miami Vice. And then he went off to direct movies like fucking, um, what the hell's the Sons of the Lambs one? Manhunter, great fucking film. Uh, Heat. I'm forgetting a lot of movies, but that's because I smoke marijuana. So there you go. Yeah, spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't seen Heat, because I'm going to get into this. The last, like, 20 minutes of that film, storyline-wise, is fucking great. Like, all he has to do is let go of it, right? Like, I just need to move on. But because that guy, like, murks Danny Trejo, he's like, I can't, I can't just let go of it. <laughs> and it sets up the entire end sequence fucking great movie i love heat so much i'm so glad we got to talk about heat today <laughs> great shit. um and i'll let you go over whatever you want i just wanted to mention and i hope this doesn't sound like a psa i don't mean for it to um i watched a movie that really rocked me to the core um it came out and actually beat indiana jones on the fourth of july weekend it's called the sound of freedom uh for some reason there's controversy around it it's it's a very I feel like important movie to watch. It's about a guy named Tim Ballard. He worked for um, Homeland Security for years. He took down close to, I think it was 400, uh, you know, different pedo operating, you know, at the head of different types of trafficking throughout the world. Uh, but the they wouldn't allow him basically to go after the children uh, somehow. If they were in another country that was out of their jurisdiction and he decided to start a force of people to go after and actually start really more more or less worrying about the ones that they weren't able to get. And it's a powerful movie. Um, It's got some dark themes. They don't obviously do anything in the movie uh, that's gratuitous at all, but it's some heavy handed stuff. and uh maybe cry at least uh twice and i'll admit that as a man affected me very similar but different when i saw either a movie like spotlight you know about the boston globe in the late 90s just completely finding out all this information going back to the vatican and the molestation of children or even a movie like um i'm trying to think of uh something else that hit me um 12 years a slave which killed me inside. Uh, it's 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 a uh, it's it's some stuff. And Jim Caviezel, who I will admit is a little bit of a kook, but he's a great actor. He commits to the role of playing this operative agent, and there's great acting, especially uh, from the two Hispanic uh, children, the the sister and brother that are in the movie. Just incredible acting, 
very well made. This movie was made, finished, and was about to be out five years ago, but Fox owned the rights, and they were bought up by Disney, so it kind of stayed on its shelf until uh, another production company, Angel Studios, bought it and distributed it, and it's doing incredible in theaters, and I don't know, very eye-opening. That's all I have to say. There's a certain things. Some people have said that it got them as emotional as Schindler's List. I, I haven't seen that movie, and I don't really want to, even though it's a great film in years, but I have to say that it definitely affected me. So that's uh, a travesty what's going on nowadays. Or, or the movie, I forgot what it's called, but with child rebel soldiers over in Africa where Idris Elba plays the general. Uh, just, just that type of level of hits you in the gut. So if you want to see it, great. Uh, if you can't afford it, they have like a pay, pay it forward type of thing going on right now. So you can actually get tickets for free uh, to go see the film. Uh, like I said, it's a really good film and I highly recommend it. Uh, it's going to get you in the feels. It's got a good ending because it's documented. It's based off something true. Uh, but it's something important that people need to really realize is going on right now. What was the name of the flick again? The Sound of Freedom. Yeah, so I haven't even I haven't seen any advertisement or anything about this film, but it sounds really cool, so I definitely want to check it out. Um but yeah, I, I don't recall seeing anything about this movie. Are they trying to like is it one of those things where they're trying to promote it but also bury it at the same time? They're not so much. I mean, I hate to say this. It's becoming somehow something like this is becoming political. And since specifically Jim Caviezel has admitted some right wing QAnon conspiracy shit, even though everything that happened in the movie got made before any of that was even a fucking conspiracy, like years before this was made, like I said, five years ago. Uh, the left have kind of, or media, I shouldn't say the left, uh, the left wing media has kind of just, I don't know, uh, Hollywood doesn't like it. It's made outside of Hollywood. Um, maybe because Mel Gibson's promoting it as well. Certain factors are not doing well as far as it's still making a shit ton of money. And like I said, it beat out Indiana Jones. And I unfortunately heard about this film due to the controversy. And I just don't know why there is controversy over a movie that's exploiting something horrible but what are you going to do everyone has to make things politics from the right and the left nowadays everything yeah it's just crazy because if it beat indiana jones i've seen like a bazillion indiana jones promotions but i've seen no promotions for that film so that's you probably I mean, unfortunately I mean, it's kind of cool that it happened, though, that it, it, it is beating Indiana Jones. That means that people are aware and they're using other forms of media than I am, apparently, <laughs> to to go see to go see movies. That's uh, really cool. I do have a bone to pick with, like, I don't know, Hollywood, Universal. Um, I think it was a Universal flick. Any, basically, film fucking production in general, Dane. All right. So. Um, I think his name is Jim Nichols. It's Ben Nichols' brother. Uh, Lee. He has done films like Mud uh, and a couple of other Sundance films, and he was like kind of a big upcoming director from Sundance. 
But uh, one of the first movies he did was called Shotgun Stories, and I cannot find this fucking movie anywhere uh, without paying 30 or $40 to have a DVD shipped to my house because collectors are going to collect. And I get that because I am a collector of both video games, VHS tapes, and, uh, you know, uh, sports cards. So I, I totally get where the collectors are at of, of reselling this fucking thing. But in a world where there's like 20 fucking streaming services, <laughs> like Tubi and Pluto exist, Dane, how is this movie not surfaced somewhere? Uh, I hate it when this happens. I would suggest to you, Chris, Google the movie. You can usually find an HD version of movies that for some fucking reason you can't find. I mean, if you got to put whatever you got to put, movies streaming free, and then the film, usually you can find a link. There'll be some bullshit ones, obviously. We've all dealt with the wrestling ones. But uh, usually that's how I find films where I'm like, I'm not fucking buying this. Uh, that's the only option based on the uh, the amount of fucking platforms I have. Bullshit. So if anyone heard that and is offended that I steal sometimes, you're protecting companies that make billions of dollars. Well, <laughs> to be fair to you, uh, whatever you got, like if you store, if you stole a $4 film, uh, my amount of frustration was one hour of my amount of time is worth more than like four or five bucks or whatever. I was just trying to fight. I was going to give someone money to watch this fucking thing, but Jesus, I, I don't know if, if like uh, it could be a Jim Nichols thing. It could be a studio thing. Um, and then it started to make me think about lost media in general. Uh, so if you like, even if you go back to WWE network, like watching uh, WCW, for instance, it's not the same as if you watch WCW live, like there's a lot of stuff cut out. There's, there's uh, different songs and structures for matches and, and the way like kind of things went in, like they cut out a lot of mean gene in between uh, segments. While it's not the same, it, it does affect the, uh, the overall flow of a show and it's like where the hell did this shit go is it just because people do not want to pay the licensing rights for whatever song was being played and i actually want to give wwe props for this because instead of dealing with that they do just insert random fucking music a lot of times they're just like whatever here's generic song number two from smackdown here comes the pain uh, over top of stuff but it is like a weird thing that happens like uh, a good example is as the listeners out there know i watched all of beverly hills 90210 but i didn't really watch all of beverly hills 90210 because there's like a good 15 episodes that have been removed because they did not extend licensing rights with with whoever the musical artist was that may have like a two minute segment in the song or like an overdraft of the, the beginning intro. And it, it, it kind of is a big problem. If you're 90210 fan, uh, 90210 fans out there, um, the introduction of Noah as a character happens in Hawaii. So when you're watching it, like it ends and they're all supposed to go to Hawaii and there's just like five episodes that don't exist. And you can't find them anywhere. And if you look it up, it's like, well, you could buy this DVD that 
this hundred or actually it's like three hundred dollars now your book dvd of beverly hills dynasty went out and i'm like i'm trying to do the right thing by purchasing this media i do know that i could just go get it right <laughs> but at the same like I'm, I'm willing to give you money because i want to watch it it's just it's fucking frustrating dane yeah f all that shit you know big money but I'm not giving you that big money, you know what I'm saying, corporations? Screw that. So I don't blame you for being annoyed by that situation. But this is going to be the hardest. Uh, if I, if I, you know, you you, w- you wouldn't steal a car, so you definitely wouldn't steal music, kind or, or or movies. Remember those commercials? I'm gonna get pulled. In. I'm gonna be the first guy to get pulled into court for this shit. I'm sure someone else has gotten pulled into court uh, years ago. I'll be the modern guy that gets pulled into court for this. And I'm just going to show like, send them this podcast and be like, look, motherfucker. I was trying to give you money <laughs> for like, no, a while. Away, <laughs> the talking about <laughs> it's just such a weird thing. It's like, I'm actively trying to pay you for this thing, but I can't find it anywhere. Uh, and it just sucks with something like um, shotgun stories, because I think that's, a fucking great film that's not a lot of people have. I was going to have this whole thing. I was going to watch this and like talk about it today. And it, it didn't exist. So uh, things I actually watched. I uh, righteous gemstones. I am all caught up on that show. Have you been watching righteous gemstones? I have not, but uh, I've heard really good things about it. So Danny McBride knocked it out of the park. Casting's great. Uh, it's, definitely worth a fucking watch it's it's kind of like filmed as a um i would almost say like if you were gonna do like a mafia movie but make it a comedy uh, but instead of the mafia it's uh like a tv church so if you're in georgia like the rock for instance well hell yeah um before I move on, one more thing. Uh, I thought it was cool we found out two random-ass casting for Superman Legacy movie coming out uh, with already David Sweat now to play Superman, uh, Rachel Bosnahan, basically the, the lady from Miss Maisel, playing Lois. They don't know right now who's going to play Lex Luthor, but there's rumors also that Jonathan Kent might be played by Brandon Fraser, which I love that idea if that's true. But uh, a couple superheroes are going to make cameos in this, and I thought they were cool. One, Nathan Fillion is going to play Guy Gardner, the basically over-aggressive Irish douchebag Green Lantern that always causes shit with Batman. He even got knocked out by Batman in the comics after he just came up and started just screaming in his face, and Batman actually lost his cool with him and knocked him out, who also, in the comics... Moon Batman uh, when they were in the uh, tower just to be a fucking dick. So very fun that Nathan Fillion, love him, playing that role. And then I don't know if you've watched Barry at all. I've heard it's good, but he's like a main character. But the gentleman that played Dr. Zaz in Gotham is going to be Metamorpho, one of my other favorite random Gotham uh, superheroes. So I they're introducing things it's james gunn directing so 
I trust him to have a bunch of characters, and I think these are going to be smaller, but cool nonetheless. So go Nathan Fillion. Everyone wanted you for Hal Jordan, and you're playing the other one. But whatever. You know, I'll take it. <laughs> It's, it is very weird that they wanted him from Hal Jordan. Like, Nathan Fillion's, like, almost 50 at this point. Well, they wanted him 20 years ago. I, I find it funny that they are doing now a 50-year-old Guy Gardner, and he's playing that character. But, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think he would work as Hal anymore. So, so yeah, they're basically doing the hipster thing of like I I would have totally casted him 20 years ago when Firefly was still on the fucking air to do this character. Exactly. But there was, no, okay, all right, I got gotcha. you. I'm excited for that. I like Nathan Fillion. I, I seems like it'll be a fun film, dude. Honestly. Did you ever watch Gotham? Yeah, I liked Gotham a lot. Um, I don't know Remember, if we were part of the interview, but I mixed the interview for the guy that played the penguin. He was also on, on Walking Dead. Yes, for, I was. Uh, what the hell's his name? Um, really? Uh, something Lord Taylor. Robin Lord Taylor? That that sounds that sounds correct, because I, I ended up mixing that show, and I was like, oh my god, this guy is so fucking great. He was the highlight of that entire show, so it sucks that I can't right offhand remember his name, but he was a he was incredible and he was a very fucking nice guy. I do remember that. He was like a super nice guy. Um and we have had some not so nice guys, like you know, Ken Shamrock trying to choke you out or whatever. <laughs> but I've got yeah, a therapy. He... I'm fine. <laughs> but do you remember uh do you remember Victor Zaz on the show? Completely bald, worked for pretty much everyone. Yeah. Always yes. shooting people. That's the actor that will play Metamorpho. So that's pretty cool, too. I like him as an actor. So. James Gunn, he's right now casting, I think, some good people within his Superman movie. And it's going to be very interesting seeing James Gunn do a superhero film. Or not not just Superman, a Superman film. So we've probably never talked about this, but Gotham has my favorite Alfred. That Alfred was awesome. Like Just that was a badass, fun. like British special forces Alfred, and and the way the actor played that character is fucking great. I yeah. I don't understand. Fox Fox just sucks. I was like, I don't understand how he could not make that show really because the the content in the show, the actors they had, it's like how the hell do you not make this like? And it's not like it was a bad show. It's like how do you not promote this? Um, no. Uh, and they gave way too much screen time to probably the worst thing in the show, which was Fish Mooney, played by uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. Chick uh, drove me crazy compared to the rest of the show. But what do you? She think? wasn't. She wasn't bad in the film, but there is a lot of other characters that are way more interesting than her character. So I totally get. I, I get what you're saying. I didn't get her gimmick. I guess. Um, she, but yeah. she's the she's the fish. She's the fish, yeah. Well, she um, can she can she can summon Will Smith to smack you in the face. Yeah, and then sit in the corner and let someone plow her in front of them. Don't cry. Smoke a cigar, Will. Okay, it's all right. Anyways. Yeah, it is. It is kind of like the the least hard thing you can do is like slap a guy in the face and then go back to your seat and then cry about it. I was like, I'm all for chivalry and standing up for your woman, but it doesn't. 
He's not a good look. Uh, he's have a you? So I, I do have one more question before we head out of our, uh, you know, film movie. What did you watch segment? Have you seen the uh, Alanis Morissette documentary on HBO? No, I have not. So it's like HBO Music Box. And, and, and granted, I am not a huge fan of Foo Fighters, so I don't know all the members' backstory. But um, the drummer Taylor is Hawkins. heavily t- – Taylor Hawkins. He, he's heavily featured mm-hmm. in the film because he was part of that original tour with Alanis Morissette. Yeah, he's on the uh, he's on Jagged Little Pill playing drums. Yeah, so he he did that whole tour and like apparently Foo Fighters, the original Foo Fighters without him, opened for her. And then after the tour was done and there was not like any material to record or whatever, he was like, "Well, do you mind if I go to another band?" And there's <laughs> like a great like a great conversation. He's like, I felt like I was leaving like a sister. It's like both him and hers response to like kind of that situation that they were in is really fucking great. Um, And then also there is a really fun story about Radiohead where they're talking about like touring in England and Radiohead is, uh, they're like, they're doing two hour sound checks because they're actually writing. Okay. Computer. Oh God. (laughs) Which is like, which is pretty fucking great. Uh, there's a lot of stuff of like Alanis is like, I don't know why you guys are doing the rock star thing. Cause you know, 25 year old boys will be boys. So they were out there trying to get laid. And Alanis yeah. is like, my music is, uh, my music is not really that. <laughs> so it, it's really, really fun. Kevin Smith pops up, which I did not expect. Um, they had a relationship for those that don't know. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, so the um, Go Down in You in a Theater line has been rumored that it was either the dude from Full House, uh, was it Uncle Joey, or Kevin Smith. Um, and she specifically talks about one event that Kevin Smith has talked about in the past where she gets they get robbed at gunpoint, and Kevin Smith did not like try to intervene or use be like a man, like human shield kind of guy. He was like, that's what that's that that's what ended the relationship <laughs> is that I was a coward, basically. Um, and he, it's one of those like Kevin Smith stand up things that he does. But he's he's talked about in the past and she talks. She doesn't go into as much detail as uh, as he does. But uh, yeah, so it's fun. Definitely check it out. Also, check out the DMX one. The DMX Music Box HBO documentary is kind of wild. I went to that tour in 2019. Um, And it's the 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 documentary starts with him getting out of prison or out of jail because it wasn't really a prison. He he got out of jail (laughs) and immediately he starts have to planning plan his new shit. Right. So he's got to pay back the government for his taxes. Like, so they're like doing this record deal and uh, his agents like, don't you want to hear the details? He's like, no, I just need to sign it dog. (laughs) Because he knows there's no money going to him and he gets on the elevator and he's all pissed off. And like, he's clean for a while. And then like, you know, towards the end of the movie, he gets, he, he gets hooked back on Coke uh, has a freak out and causes like delays in the actual doc, the 
the documentary itself. Um, but it ends with him like kind of resolving with some of his, uh, well, with one of his ex, his old ex-wife specifically, his first wife, um, and his kids. And it, it's just a really great fucking documentary, especially because there is no way in hell that anyone knew when they were filming that, that he would die, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So it's it is a it's a weird one year tale of a person that is pretty fucking iconic. I mean, I think he might be the only artist that's ever had two platinum records in the same year. Hell yeah, I'll have to check those out, man. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'll let's get into wrestling. Sorry. <laughs> I mean to, no, no, I no. Thought you would, I thought you would think the Taylor Hawkins thing was pretty fun. So definitely check that one out. Yeah, that that is pretty cool. Uh, Taylor, a lot of people don't realize Taylor's been uh, on the whole Jagged Little Pill album and also had to play drums on the fourth Coheed album uh, because their drummer at the time was kind of still a part of his other band's contract and couldn't play for it. So uh, love Taylor. Great fucking drummer. One of my biggest influences. But uh, let's talk about some wrestling, like you said. (laughs) Well, hold on. Uh, the bass player's name was Chris Cheney, and he played for Jane's Addiction. He's played for some other bands, and apparently he just accidentally got fucking hired for her band. <laughs> like, she called oh. the wrong number on a list. And if you think Great. about Jagged Little Pill, if you're the guy that she didn't call, <laughs> that she meant to call, you're like, fuck. Because that's, like, <laughs> that's a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Lots of fucking money, man. One of the biggest albums in the 90s. Um, let's start out with, actually, let's, let's go over, did you watch, um, the new Dark Side of the Moon about Dark Side of the Moon? I got to stop calling it that. Dark Side of the Ring, uh, with Adrian Adonis. I did. I think it was my favorite of, uh, the season so far, honestly, I, I, because I didn't know much about, uh, Adrian Adonis's death or the circumstances around it. And it was really cool that they had one of the Kelly twins to kind of tell the tell of that story in interview form. I I thought it was really great. I really enjoyed learning about his career, basically, and how he was a tough guy in New York and kind of like his buddy was saying, he probably would have gotten involved in the mafia if he didn't get out and become a wrestler. And I just knew him uh, with his feud with Piper being this androgynous style character in the late 80s and dying. Um, But I did not know too much besides that. I I knew also that he was he had a biker gimmick previously before that and tag team with both Piper and Jesse Ventura and different promotions. Um, But, yeah, it was it was fun to fun in certain aspects uh not the tragic ending obviously but you know to find out more information about him as a wrestler and you know it's it's crazy uh obviously there had to uh you know even adrian street doesn't really completely believe that it was a direct ripoff but i kind of do all of a sudden they make this badass biker dude and then change him to this androgynous character i did like adrian uh street said that the difference is they were trying to make him a heel because of the character, whereas he kind of didn't really 
didn't want to do that route at all with with his androgynous uh, character. But both of them badasses, both of them backed up by many wrestlers saying you wouldn't want to fuck around with them, uh, that they would really mess you up. Obviously, you have someone that's more introduced what Catcher's Catch can over in the UK with Adrian Street. Adrian Adonis, much more of a boxer and brawler itself. And uh, just how quick he was in the ring, Chris. Uh, you know, when he spent time over on the uh, West Coast in places like Portland, obviously, uh, and San Francisco, that Ray Stevens really worked with him. And he did, you know, the Ray Stevens bump in the corner, but he would completely fall out to the floor, whereas Ray would do it the way Sean would emulate him and do it, hit the corner, go straight down, and of course, we all know Ric Flair's version of it, going completely off ass over tea kettle to the post, run up the other side, try to do a crossbody and always get caught by the other person, but uh, just really fucking good worker in the ring, especially based on his size, and tragically... You know, even though he still maintained a good family life, uh, definitely had some issues on the road involving skiing. Uh, it, it was really actually telling for Brett to just admit that during that time period, more to try to gain knowledge. But he was doing it too. pretty much most people in the 80s and uh, not really holding back on that, where I think a lot of other people probably would, especially to his level or whatnot. But um, just. The sad fall of Grace getting up to 400 pounds and him working with one of his other mentors in the business, uh, Greg Gagne, and Greg being like, what the hell happened to you? All the way to the ending and him finally having a comeback, losing a bunch of weight, doing smaller promotions, but trying to get back to where he could have gotten and tragically being in a car accident uh, where they drove off a bridge into a ravine. And got killed from it. Left a daughter. Um, I think a couple of kids. I don't remember. I, we know we. I know we met his daughter, uh, but his wife and uh, you know Bret Hart at the end of it, just talking about if Adrian's popularity, he could have been in the '90s feuding with him um, if he stayed in shape and uh, didn't get into bad habits. But you know that's that's a that's something that that is in common. Crack, cocaine, mostly cocaine, really fucked up a lot of wrestlers spending their money on it and 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 whatnot and affecting their uh, abilities in the ring and everything within the 80s into the early 90s, Chris. But hell of a wrestler. One hell of a wrestler, and they actually showed some really good footage of what he could do in the ring. They showed some specific bumps. That the Ric Flair bump they showed multiple times, and they also showed it when he was almost, you know, he was over 300 pounds and did it. Uh, versus Greg Gagne, it this might be one of the saddest stories because, by all accounts, when he went to Japan and he came back home, he was he had gotten clean, he had lost a bunch of weight, he was trying to get himself back on track, and then he dies because someone swerved to not hear hit a bear cub, uh, which is like kind of the craziest shit you ever hear, right? Like there is no. I, I expected the documentary to end different for me because, like I said, I, I mean, I know who Adrian Adonis is. He's obviously a carbon copy of uh, if I'm just looking at wrestling wise, he's gorgeous. George, I wrote about it. There's an article on Vibes Nation. It's one of the first, Absolutely. I think, blog posts called Heels. 
where I go through all of the people that Gorgeous George influenced, including Muhammad Ali, um, who is not a wrestler, but obviously a boxer. But it goes through all of those uh, those type of characters, the, the the way they speak, the kind of being kind of androgynous or, you know, aggressive towards who they are. Uh, the one thing, you know, I didn't really I didn't really know a lot of his early work in AWA. So it was cool to see some of that fucking footage. And it was also like he looks a lot like Belushi, honestly, when he when he's not. Holy shit. He does. Wow. I never thought about that. But it's like if Jim Belushi was a wrestler, like if he had to do Adrian Adonis, it would probably be the same. That's fucking crazy. Or the uh, the the adorable one. You know what I'm saying? It's the hair in the square forehead, I think, is what really does it. But they like fucking like when he I mean, obviously he's a, a, in bigger shape. But if you ever seen like. Like late 70s Belushi doing Saturday Night Live. I, what was the musician he used to do? <laughs> Can't think of the fuck gimmick he used to do. That that version oh, of Belushi. Oh, oh god damn it! Oh, fuck, why can't I think of? He did all the covers. Like, yeah. All right. And, uh, <laughs> I have a little help from my friends. I can't remember his name. Joe Cocker. Yeah, his version of Joe Cocker getting just super wasted. <laughs> fuck! If you haven't seen that, wrestling fans, check that out first, and then watch the Adonis stuff, and then you'll be like, oh, I can see where Chris is coming from, specifically uh, when he was in AWA. And um, it was kind of refreshing to hear that he didn't have that bad of a family life. It's like, yeah, he's like fucking crazy and got like stoned, but we kind of had like an agreement. Like I knew he was a wrestler. I knew he was going to do fucked up shit when he was on the road, but when he came home, he was like the greatest guy of all time, which is basically what his wife and kids said. And that's like a nice change of pace in comparison to what we've seen so far this season. Yeah. Uh, very, very different compared to most situations, man, unfortunately. Yeah, and it just really, really sucks. That it, and I don't know the full story. I mean, they kind of teased that maybe there was drinking involved when they were taking the van um, up to that ferry or whatever. Uh, but uh, the Kelly Twin, he's Canadian, and he looks like an honest guy, honestly. So when you like, there was no drinking involved. I'm just going to tend to believe him. Um, obviously, Adrian wasn't driving anyway, so it would, wouldn't have really mattered in general. But there's always been kind of like a legacy around that story. The thing that I didn't know is that they swerved to miss a baby bear cub and hit. You know, they I, I knew they hit a truck on coming, but I didn't know that there was like a you know Canadian bear in the middle of the road. So they did one good deed. You know, uh, when I first saw Brock Lesnar, yeah, he looked like a Kodiak bear. Um. (laughs) That that is one other thing to bring up is they're talking about the promoter that booked them because he had like bear wrestling and stuff. And one of his trained bears like killed his girlfriend like a year before this event was booked or whatever. And then he is not involved with the story at all. Since like after that, did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. 
they just wanted to get in like a bear killed this guy's girlfriend story, which had nothing to do with anything else because he wasn't he wasn't in the fucking car with them. <laughs> like they got paid for the show. Everyone that they interviewed on the show about the pay is like, oh, he paid great. Like he's a great promoter. And they like prop like Ricky Johnson specifically was propping him. Uh, Rocky okay. Johnson's brother, <laughs> Rock's uncle. <laughs> By the way, people, I did not know that Ricky Johnson existed until this documentary. And I kept on looking at him and be like, that guy looks familiar. And not only that, like later on when obviously he tells you, but he's like, I'm so man, Ricky Johnson. I uh, took my brother's moniker uh, after he passed away. And I'm like, Rocky Johnson passed away three years ago. Are you wrestling still, Ricky? Like I did not know a lot about Ricky Johnson. Um, the Rock's uncle. I had I had no idea that he had a brother that fucking wrestled. Yeah, it's, it's kind of that weird scenario with Rocky Johnson where he has a lot of. I'm I'm gonna try to say this as politically correct as I can, because it wasn't that long ago we were talking about all of the various siblings that Rocky Johnson had, and Rocky Johnson's father had. So like I don't. You know yeah. I forgot about that, but I didn't know he had a wrestling uh, brother, but that, I guess that does make sense with how many uh, siblings you have. But um, yeah, thought it was weird when he just said, I'm soul man. Rock. He's he's basically like, I just said, I'm the soul man. That's not what I've been going by. I've been going by it for the last four years. I'm not wrestling anymore, but you know, Rock, my brother Rocky uh, just, uh, he did it. So that's what I just want to let you know that. And it was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> there's like, there's like, like one or two wrestlers in the entire world right now active today. They could get over the name of the soul man. And he is not one of them. Orange Cassidy. If he was the soul man, orange Cassidy, I could see that getting over, <laughs> but like, uh, he, he is expecting people to misread that name and, and think that, Rocky Johnson is not dead because <laughs> I like much like you, I did not know Ricky Johnson was a person. <laughs> and also, did you love uh, Bret Hart kind of admitting that he partially started doing blow with all the guys because Adrian Adonis did not trust him because he was the, you know, quote unquote promoters kid. So Brett's like, Hey, no, no, I'm cool. And it's like, you know, Talking about doing blow with a bunch of wrestlers we like. And by the way, we all know the silhouette of the guy with the longer nose, skinnier, short hair probably was Roddy Roddy Piper, since they already said he was there. I mean, come on. But uh, And then him kind of being like, I'm sure since he was way younger then, he was probably worried a little bit about doing whatever. But then once he realized that all of them were fucking talking nonstop and acting like he was butters when he went to the pimp convention and was getting advice from everyone. Anyone see that self? You're my bottom bitch. <laughs> you know, Brett just is like, all right, I'm, I'm going to sit here and get all this advice from all these wrestlers. So I thought that was a cool story. It was a cool story, but he also admitted to doing Coke too in the story, didn't he? He was like, well, yeah. you know, if you're in a room full of that's fucking crazy. people doing Coke, you do Coke. And that's like maybe the first time I've heard Brett, like, I'm sure it's in his book. I haven't read his book in years and years and years and years. But that's the first time I've heard him say that, like, in an interview. He's like, well, yeah, if you can do coke and learn from, like, you know, Iron Sheik and Adrian and Roddy, 
why the hell would you not be there? Also, I like the idea of like a coked up fucking Nightheart looking at him. He's like, no way, guys, he's cold. <laughs> to let nerd Bret Hart. To let nerd Bret Hart in, because Bret Hart is not cool. <laughs> like, like if you think about the rest of the crew that was in that room that he it's describes, like late eighties Bret Hart. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> A little bit more string bean. Yeah, this is like there's nothing cool about Bret, like actively cool about Bret Hart, because um, that was before they even did the uh, the Hart Foundation. If Jim Neihart was the one that let him in. So it's kind of like, man, like when Neihart's like, don't worry, guys, he's cool. I'm sure Iron Sheet called him a fucking jabroni and a cop as soon as he walked in. Like, hey, look at this jabron over here. <laughs> this, is no, this is no offense to Bret Hart or Bret Hart's wrestling no. ability. I'm oh, just trying to think of the, this fucking room. <laughs> So, yeah. the characters they described. You got mid-80s. Brett's not really even known for WWE yet at all. He's pretty much just starting, kind of getting his ass kicked probably a lot. But he's promote. He's more prominent over at Stampede, where he's been the champ for a long time. And he was the son of the promoter and the most successful son at that. So that's why Adrian Adonis and probably Iron Sheik didn't want him in there. But then it's like, even though they're, you know, you're probably... Because he's only, he's only like five years younger than Hulk Hogan, so he's still not too young, but he's definitely a smaller dude. You know, you, you kind of want to be a part of that situation, man. Get some information, find out some stuff, and put a bunch of white powder in your, your face. Yeah, he was like, I learned a lot doing cocaine with Iron Sheik. <laughs> I learned a lot cocaine with a homeless man in Atlanta one time during <laughs> Dragon Con. Like, where does that story go of Jim Neihardt just is like, nah, fuck you, and shuts the. He doesn't ever let him in. Do we get like, is does all of wrestling change forever? Bret Hart's not in that room forever. But uh, getting back to Adrian, <laughs> um, yeah, dude, one hell of a tale. This is one of my favorites, if not this. I gotta admit though, this season's been really good. I loved learning a little bit more about Matt Bourne. Um, that I didn't know. I, I, I'm trying to think like more information directly about the Magnum TA situation. That type of stuff is good. I don't like it when they go too salacious. Um, that I'm I'm good on. They, they're doing a better job, I think, and, you, and maybe you disagree with me, Chris, on really going over the wrestler um, and kind of giving you more than beforehand of their career starting to and getting back to when they, you know, inevitably have their issue. Um, and I kind of like it like that. Like, I don't need salacious ones to me. Yeah, yeah I agree with you, but it, it's mostly just because none of these people were known as bad guys, really. Like Matt Bourne. Well, Matt Bourne was aggressive in the ring, and so was a, uh, Adrian Adonis. But as far as like overall people's likability and stuff, they're like, oh, no, he just had a drug problem. So it's kind of different than some of the other some of the other ones we've seen in the past. But, yes, I, I've liked this season a lot more. And uh, the focus on like WWF guys that had these problems, because I didn't grow up a, a WWF fan. So like people like, you know, I knew who Junkyard Dog was. 
I knew who Adrian Adonis was, but I didn't grow up watching that. So these are like fun tales for me specifically because I, you know, even though they're big stars, like I didn't know that uh, Adrian Adonis, you know, died in a car crash. I, I knew that he had passed away at some point. But I didn't know all the details around it and like uh, his big story of like I lost a bunch of weight and then went to Japan. And I was having these matches. So that's like kind of cool that they're they're doing stuff like that. Yeah, what I what I really. Well, it's funny, actually, because you mentioned that and I was a WWE guy, but when I saw Adrian Adonis, it was right at pretty much you know towards the end of his bigger career and it was his his feud with piper when i saw i didn't really i knew that there was and i remembered his name sometimes i knew that the first doink was different than the rest and a lot of people looked up to him but i didn't really know a lot of his in-ring stuff uh junkyard dog even and how great he was at the beginning and his and him being in shape with the big beard i had junkyard dog going against harley race towards the end of his career you know bald head just the mustache for some fucking reason and and magnum ta i guess is more the, i guess yeah it's more than nwa but like i didn't know a lot about that so even for me more of a wwe guy i guess you could say because i was you know i was up in boston when i was younger no i didn't really know that matt Bourne and all of them were actually really good workers per se i didn't really know anything about them other than they were you know over in certain time periods yeah and wwf is a weird time period of where it's hard to tell where if someone's a good worker unless it's a pay-per-view right so if you weren't a wwf fan which i i had heard the stories about matt Bourne because he was still doing interviews in like 2013 2014 but I did not know any of the stories about Adrian Adonis because no one's really – I'm sure it was written up in The Observer back then if you wanted to backdate and do some historical checking or whatever. I'm sure that it was there, like it got reported on. But I didn't know that story at all, like at least the whole story, especially with uh, one of the Kelly twins telling it from the, you know, the only survivor of that car crash, telling his story and um, – Talking about how much he loved his brother. He was actually the highlight of the entire episode, honestly. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's kind of a weird show. Like, especially when you get into that weird time period where it's like, you know, 80 to 90. Because I feel like if you, if you grew up here in Atlanta, you ain't watching that WWF bullshit or WWF. Or at least that's what my grandpa would call it um, back in the day. So that's so funny. I wasn't really allowed to watch WWF until like Stone Cold showed up. Like I watched it and tape traded with friends and stuff, but like at my if like I went to spend the night at my grandparents' house, and uh, I would say Monday as well. Um, so I could watch because they had cable. I didn't have cable growing up. Um, so like I would stay at their house and watch wrestling or whatever. And they were like, no, you're only allowed to watch WCW, which is like, (laughs) which was also just as terrible, but WWF had hit their hot streak of like, we're doing salacious things and we have Sable and, you know, playboy. 
Yeah, the the Nitro Girls were great, but it was much more tamed down and in, in, in concept to some of the stuff they were doing over on W. It's just funny because my grandfather watched it on my dad's side. My dad really watched it, and they just didn't even really think of any of the other ones, except for you know when a wrestler like Dusty would come up and shit like that. New York was such a um, they obviously all the other territories. Besides, like, a couple with AWA, were all NWA, so WWF was onto itself and kind of lived in their own land. So I don't even remember, like, I remember when WCW first became available back in the late 80s, and then it went away, it seems, and then all of a sudden it popped back up when Hogan went over there. And, um, yeah, that's that was about 94, 95. And then when was when, when when did fucking Nitro start officially? That's when I was watching it every week. Ninety six. Yeah, it would have been late ninety five, early ninety six, because when they signed Lex. So it's after Lex's deal is done in That's WWF. Because right. he showed the first show was at Mall America, Mall of America. Oh, you dropped out for a little while. You said Mall oh. of America. But now you're good. Yeah, it was filmed at uh, Mall of America, and they had uh, Hogan's Restaurant, Pasta Mania, which he chose to do instead of the Foreman Grill. I'm sure he's <laughs> super happy about that fucking decision. But Do you remember the first match on that Nitro? I do not. It was probably like Disco versus uh, Lucha. I'm pretty sure that it was Pillman and uh, uh, Liger. Oh, yeah, it totally was. It's totally no. Yeah, they did stack that with um, actual talent that could go in the ring. It's been a while since I've seen that. But, yeah, I think I actually think you're right on that one. It's Pillman versus Liger. And then there's another cruiser match right after that. Or what we consider basically an AEW match after that. Yeah, exactly. um, and then you get into like the big hoss fights, but it's been so long since I've seen uh, that first episode of Nitro. But it, I mean, it was a huge deal with Lex coming over. Oh yeah, no, it was huge. That ending where Lex reveals himself, I think it was Sting. That the I, I'm pretty sure the main event was Sting and was it Sting and Hogan against uh, Arn and Rick. Um, it's it's never really been talked about, as far as I know. I haven't read Lex Luger's book because I just kind of have a problem with Lex Luger and his like, yo, it was totally fine when everyone died at my house while I was doing drugs, but like, you know, I got the Lord on my side now, uh, kind of uh, gimmick. But he he had he was one of the first professional agents or wrestlers that had like an actual sports agent. So he had a sports agent. So the deal he worked out with WWF when he left WCW originally was like very, very high. And I know he took a fuck ton less money when he went back to WCW. Because uh, Bischoff's talked like lowballed him on the offer because he didn't really want to hire Lex Luger to begin with. Um, and they ended up hiring him because the contract was like so low. It was kind of like its own crazy story. And also, Lex was fucking great in WCW. Dude, when he puts someone in the rack, that crowd pops so hard. So, 
you know, book no, better, awesome. Bischoff. <laughs> Flexi Lexi. Well, they did give him the world heavyweight title, but two more times, I think. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, I agree. I loved, I was a big Mark. I think I've told you this for Big Show and Lex as a uh, tag team, him and the Giant. That was fun. And uh, yeah. Dude, any anytime they put show with someone else, it's like the best thing ever. Like all of show's tag teams are good. If you Kane go back Kane. and think about it, it's Big Show and Kane have always had really good partners. If you look back on both of them, it's crazy, uh, including each other. So that's it. It feels bad because these, uh, like you know, the giant. Um, Uh, Lex Luger and uh, you know there was a specific amount of people that were uh, Sid Vicious for instance where like all of that stuff faded out and they started getting a push in like 98 I, I would also say like Mike Awesome right like all of these big guys that were actually really good in the ring and were doing cool stuff it just didn't matter because Vince Russo was it, it, it's W L O L W C W. Yeah, dude, Mike Awesome especially. What a fucking talent. That's another – I mean, all right, well, we can kind of warp that back into what we were talking about to wrap up. But I, I've said I want to see Brad Armstrong. I want to see Art Barr specifically. Mike Awesome would be an awesome – well, not awesome. You know what I'm saying? When I, It's hard to do this because they have a hard life and it ends up tragically, obviously, especially in Mike Awesome's case. But that would be a nice dark side of the ring. Uh, to find out information about his career, even though we know a good chunk of it between ECW and being the ultimate warrior for FMW and the gladiator and fucking, uh, you know, WCW, obviously, and doing one of the craziest things I've ever seen to people, which you got to have a lot of trust in someone because having a running powerbomb is ba- is fucking crazy. Having a running powerbomb out and into a couple tables holy fucking shit and, and the motherfucker could do like topes over the damn ropes very underrated wrestler didn't swerve take a fucking top rope power bomb from or like they at least set up a top rope power bomb for mick wayne this week and i was like holy shit that's right it did <laughs> Because I, I that was like Buddy, like that was one of Buddy Wayne's finishers. Um, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later, but yeah, like fuck that, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> um, Brian else? Alvarez was talking about taking that spot from Buddy Wayne. He's like, that's how I dislocated my shoulder, and I was like, see, prime example of why you don't do that. It's a that's fucking good. dumb spot. Uh, but yeah, like. It, it, great documentary. It was a. It, it made like I said. I think it was my favorite of the season thus far. Yeah, mine too. Uh, I forgot what's on next, uh, which is the next one, but just a really good documentary series. Um, but uh, let's move on. I would like to preview. I know that you haven't been keeping up with it as much as I have. I've actually been catching it every week. This is, dude, listen how much, I like, I watch too much wrestling. This is how you can tell that I'm single. I don't have a girlfriend. 
um on friday nights i've been you know i watch something but like when i have two hours i end up watching impact then i watch smackdown and then i try to watch rampage if i make it that far and then i'll end up watching whatever i you know pass out to the next day but uh impact has gotten really good they're what second maybe i, I you would know chris between Slammiversary and Bound for Glory, which is the the number one show and number two show of the year? Slammiversary, I think Slammiversary is the big show. No, Slammiversary is in the summer, so it would be Bound for Glory, because they're kind of doing the WWE thing, where the big show is in the fall. Yeah, okay. I would, ha- I would have to go upstairs and look at my shirt. I, I feel like Slammiversary has had the biggest matches, but it, I, I don't. Honestly, I don't recall. We're talking about, like, I, I stopped watching Impact on a regular basis in 2014. So, yeah, it's it's been a fucking while. But, dude, I mean, their fucking, their roster has gotten ridiculous. Um, I got to I, it's, I don't know. it's 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 almost like if they didn't bring in all of those WCW guys and would have just kept with the roster they had on Spike TV, that they would yeah. basically be AEW right now. Because well, it's the same fucking kind of shit. Well, just with the difference with now it kind of being Scott Demore, Lance Storm, um, who kind of was hinted at being Scott Demore's partner. I don't know if that's him or well I'll get I'll get into it when we go over these matches uh for predictions, but uh I mean the fact they got Mark Andrews and fucking what the hell's his tag team partner the, who are awesome over in NXT UK, the two uh, high flyers. I really can't remember what his partner's name is, but he had like the fucking the who mod look going on, but um, they got them now. Um, and I'm I'm happy to hear about. I can't. Uh, I'm all over the place. Um, fuck. The wrestler that was in NXT that was a part of the Rascals that his wife, his crazy ass fucking wife, tried to get him fired and showed a picture of him in a Hitler costume. Uh, was he part of the North originally? I'm trying to remember who you're talking about. He is part of the Rascals um, with uh, Wesley, who's at NXT still now and is the North American champion and then the XX division champion. Um, God damn it. I'm fucking losing it. But anyways, he had a lot of people go for his bat, including MJF, who's one of his best friends and Jewish. And uh, he got hired by Impact. Now we have once again, we have that group back. Um, So. It's like the tag team divisions now really getting good. And, um, you know, we saw the champions as Ace Austin and fucking Chris Bay. And but one of the tag teams, Marcy Machine Guns, have both the belts. Um, even fucking Santino Morel, they have a thing going on, Chris, where Fandango just he's dropped the character. He thinks it's fucking stupid and like. Uh, he's now just kind of like uh, just kind of a dick, but they've been doing a good job with it. And he's been trying to piss off Santino Morella, calling him out for being an idiot. Said something about like how he 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 said something about like how he wanted to bang Santino's daughter. And Santino was like, "What the?" F-? And they actually had like a real fight go on. 
So it's, it's making <laughs> some idiot like Santino Morella look like a tough ass in this. But um, just everything that Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer and fucking Lance Storm and Scott Demore are cooking up, they're doing a good job right now. And their women's division is great. Their fucking tag division is great. They got a lot of great light heavyweights and a lot of great heavyweights. So kudos to them. So all power to the Motor City Machine Guns is what you're telling me. Holding it down, man. <laughs> They're so fucking great. But then uh, you can got we get, Mo- can we get got- the Bucks MCMG match? Like, let's do it. I know everyone it's- wants the FTR match, but let's get the re- the rebound on the uh, Bucks MCMG match. We definitely get uh, both. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I said we could definitely just use both, you know. That's an option. Make it a trio. Don't do that. No. Don't make it like a triple threat tag match. Um, yeah. Fucking, it's fucking great. I, I never thought I would live in a world where Alex Shelley was heavyweight champion. I just always thought he was forever going to be. I always thought he was forever going to be surpassed, and I just had to be okay with it. He's been tag champions across like pretty much every continent. I never thought he'd be every champion. He's killing it. Um, oh, yeah. Motor City Machine Guns in general are killing it, which I would expect nothing less from them. And and they really do have some good shit. Like Scott Demore and um, Lance Storm, they're really killing it with the booking and how they how they're building up stuff. Uh, yeah, the problem Tommy is they're gonna start they're gonna start running out of opponents in the heavyweight division. That's that's probably their biggest. Yeah, I think that is somewhat of an issue because right now I think there's a reason why they have Brian Myers and Moose in a tag team, which they're a good tag team, but it's because they don't want Moose yet to go back to fighting whoever has the belt. But Alex Shelley is going tonight against Nick Aldis, which Nick fucked him over, went complete heel. Now he's acting much more like he used to, like a British, uh, um, uh, what the hell, Nick. Bockwinkle, which is kind of like how he used to act and being very insulting. And, you know, it's it. him and Al Shelley are actually they built up a good feud in the last month. Um, and uh, <laughs> you'll love who's going who uh, showed up at Impact. Uh, I don't even know where the fuck he was beforehand. It might have been MLW, might have been Mexico, but um, going against Chris Saban for the X Division. But we'll, we'll save that. Do you want me to go over this card, Chris? Yeah, let's go over the card. I will say Dick Aldis is uh, so he's going to do the Shawn Michaels, Chris Knight, British heel gimmick kind of thing. Yeah, I would say so. Okay, I'm down for that. I mean, he's really fucking good at it. It 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 sucks that like I don't know. Alex Shelley should hold the fucking title forever until they bring him back like James Storm or something. <laughs> I think there's a good chance this might go further and we'll get more matches between the two. There's a good chance Alex is going to retain tonight. But then again, I thought I thought Steve Macklin was going to have more than three months and then he got beat by Alex Shelley. So they're kind of flopping it around, too. WWE is so fucking stupid because they had a chance to sign Nick Aldis and he would fit directly into that roster so perfectly, especially he- like his mini shows that they're doing in England now because they're trying to compete with, uh, compete with uh, AEW with how many shows they do there. 
Like they fucked that up royally. And they also have a built-in storyline with him and Cody. It's like, how did you guys fuck that up? I don't even. Not only Cody, then, uh, you know, also I think him and Drew McIntyre are good friends and have worked together. So that would be an interesting fucking, there'd be a lot of interesting. Him and and one of the most popular wrestlers right now, babyface-wise, I think he's a babyface, but L.A. Knight, you know, yeah. Um, I mean, so the funny thing is, is like L.A. Knight, uh, Nick Aldis, and MJF, they all work a similar style. They work an old school ass hill style. They'll they'll do spots if they need to, depending on who they're wrestling. They work an old school ass hill style, and that shit is over as fuck for all of those guys. Oh yeah, maybe all maybe right, everyone uh, else should dial their shit back. Is what I'm, what I'm getting at, like. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, so the pre-show matches, there's only two. Uh, one of them, I don't know if they're going to force within this the San Antonio Morella uh, uh, Dirty Dango situation, but this is what they have. Remember, this is not the exact order. This is what's given on Wikipedia. Anyways, Joe Hendry, the digital media champion, and Kenny King, uh, within their storyline, Chris, Joe Hendry, I don't know where it came from originally, but he's got the audience screaming strip for me for Kenny. And he keeps on like getting really, really like weird about it and like trying to wear like a fucking sweater the whole entire time. So uh, that that that's that. But I like Joe Hendry. He's pretty funny and I don't think he's losing this title. Also, that theme song is a fucking banger, dude. It's so dumb. I love it so much. I, uh, I don't think he's losing the title as well. <laughs> I clap every time, Chris. I believe in Joe Henry. My, wi- my oh, wife yeah. pops so hard when I watched that first Ring of Honor pay-per-view that he was on. I think it was the very first one that a- when AEW bought Ring of Honor, he was on the very first pay-per-view. She's like, this is fucking ridiculous, and I love it. <laughs> Uh, and that's how I feel every time I hear his song. I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous, and I love it. All right, so let's get... Okay, actually, this is on the main uh, thing. Um, first, we got a X Division. We're going to find in an Ultimate X match who's going to be up number one contender for the X Division belt. Jonathan Gresham, Mike Bailey, Kevin Knight, Kushida... And also another, just like Jonathan Gresham, a member of Atlanta, Alan Angels, which I have to say, I'm happy that he told Diener uh, as a part of, um, oh man, what the hell's the name of their, what's what's the the one that Eric Young used to lead that you really like the name of? Violent by Design. Also, shout out to Eric Young for actually responding to me on the question of, did you come up with the name? Eric Young's a good dude. Violent by Design, that's such a badass fucking name. It's like Road Warrior status, a badass, like, faction tag team name. Yeah, no, I, I, I fucking, I love it as well, too. Well, so, basically, that Diener was the, uh, the protege to him within the original. He took over when both uh, he and then also um, Joe, who, who has cancer now, uh, both left uh and he took over he's got victor from fucking from uh what the hell's that group called uh the tag team that was like an lod ripoff 
There's a lot of those, isn't there? Oh, from fucking NXT. Uh, God, yeah. Ascension. So the big guy, he's one of the guys now, and Diener's the leader, and Alan Angels is kind of like a peon. And finally, Alan Angels snapped and told him to fuck off, and now he's acting more like he did in Southern Honor Wrestling as kind of this douchey babyface sort of, so I'm happy about that, but I wanted to mention that uh, two Georgia guys in the X Division thing, you know what I'm saying, man? Jonathan Gresham, Alan Angels against Kushida, Mike Bailey, and Kevin Knight. That's awesome. It sucks so bad that we missed them. I didn't even realize they were coming. They do such a fucking bad job of promoting their own shit. I would have totally... Yeah, tickets were like 30 bucks. We both would have went. I just did – like I told you the day before it was happening. I was like, I guess AEW's in town – or not AEW, yeah, Impact's in town. Stupid. Uh, what are you going to do? All right, so but, this uh, is the – so Sorry. Real quick, um, God, what what is the big cowboy hoss that was in uh, Violent by Design? Uh, Joe um, – god damn it, I can't remember his last name. Um, Past All Japan Pro Wrestling uh, Triple Clown Champion. Yeah, they need to put him and Brody King in a fucking tag team together. That's well, that's basically what I was getting at. He's out indefinitely because he has a uh, cancer. Yeah, yeah, no, and I'm definitely sending him well wishes, but I'm hoping that he'll Roman Reigns the shit out of the cancer and come back, right? Absolutely. And then, and then definitely, like, dude, him and Brody King as a tag team. <laughs> It's yeah, like that's Steiner like, bro- that's like Steiner Brothers Road Warrior shit. I've no, been yelling like, for it for so long. <laughs> that's like an old fucking tag team in all Japan, uh Stan Hansen and uh and Brody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, it would be so great if their first match is they just absolutely like demolish the Bucks or FTR. They're just like, we're just gonna fucking throw you <laughs> a lot. Hell yeah. So who do you think uh, winning in this lineup? Uh, which which I, match? X Division um, number one contender um, uh, X match. Gresham, Mike Bailey, Kevin Knight, Allen Angels, Kushida. I, I might. I, I think I'm going to go with Kushida. That would be pretty. One. And the only reason I say that is because they can do something with him and uh, Gresham, and Gresham can move out to you know, the heavyweight, like the heavyweight title. I am still like mind blown that out of all the people that work on the AEW roster, they could not make whatever was wrong with Gresham's contract like figure that shit out. Jonathan Gresham is fucking great. A town down. Um, like, I have no fucking idea how they fucked it up. Because, like, right now we could be watching Jonathan Gresham versus Samoa Joe in Ring of Honor, and that would be fucking awesome. Yep. I agree. And my choice, actually, is Mr. Uh, Jonathan Gresham. I, I could see uh, Kushida as well, but uh, I would love to see Jonathan Gresham win this X Division match and be number one contender, or, or the ultimate X match, I should say, for the X Division yeah. number one contender. I'm I'm fine with I'm fine with either of them. Um, I just assume that Gresham is going to be pushed to the heavyweight title. So you know, with it being the kind of match that TNA is going to have for this, you know, if he loses, it's not that big of a deal, and then he can just rebound and go against 
the next champion. And it, it, they don't want to draw attention away because Jonathan Gresham was super fucking over when he was an impact when he was just like making, you know, people fucking do the uh, that was it, proud, the, the ring of water, proud or ring of water, pride, like handshake and shit. He was super fucking over. He should have just never left. A.W. Yeah. fucked him up. <laughs> like, honestly, he should have just stayed there. Now, Gresham and Jay Lethal together again will be so much better than Jay Lethal with what the fuck he's doing right now. <laughs> yeah, I can't say all that because I fucking love every time I see Double J. He's the fucking best. I, I love Double J. I just wish they were a separate entity. They really don't do it for me as a unit, but, like, I don't know. Zippy be the pinhead. Um, would, you, would you pop really hard if, like, Double J dressed like Hogan and... <laughs> Yeah, I would. would (laughs) You got lethal dressed like Macho Man. That would be fucking hilarious. All right. um, This is the the, uh, Women's Tag Team Champion, and I definitely hope that the the ones uh, trying to get the – from the champs uh, win. We have the Coven, Taylor Wilde, and Kylene King. They're fine, but they're the champs. They're going against fucking Killer Kelly and Masa Shalamovich. After beating the shit out of each other a bunch of times, including a fucking um, uh, dog strap match, um, you know, now they're they want they're going for the belts. And yeah, dude, I love Masa Slamovich and I love Killer Kelly. They're fucking ruthless and badass. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Taylor Wilde and Kylie King, but y'all y'all losing the belts tonight. I have to agree with you because if if I I don't pick Masa, I'm gonna catch a fucking massive ass whooping for my wife. That's her favorite wrestler in the world right now. So <laughs> we're we're gonna go with Masa. I think they're gonna end up biting them because they both do that, anyways. But I, I'm looking forward to this. I'm also looking forward to this match because I saw their other two and they had two badass matches. Uh, they're going, uh, you know, best of three. Uh, Eddie Edwards with Alicia Edwards, who's been kind of causing some shit, especially in the last match, because Eddie won, Eddie lost the first one. Frankie uh, lost the second one due to Alicia Edwards. So Frankie Kazarian is bringing Tracy Brooks with him to, you know, keep Alicia Edwards in her fucking corner. But the third match between Frankie Kazarian and Eddie Edwards, this is just a grudge match, but they've had two good matches and. I hope Frankie wins, and I hope he's someone considered uh, in the heavyweight division after this. Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna say Kazarian should win. I'm gonna go with the Kofi answer on this one, so it's it's definitely not gonna happen. But I'm backing Kazarian. All right. Well. Um, for the tag belts, we got a was this a four way, um, but ABC uh, Ace Austin. Are <laughs> you gonna say something? Yeah, I was. I have a question about this. So the tag belts are on the line, and TNA is definitely TNAing here, right? With the way they what? set up this match and what the. <laughs> rules are yeah you know um 
It's a four-way tag team match. So, yeah, it's going to be just mayhem the whole entire time, essentially. Like, I get they're giving the, the like, the, uh, you know, MCMG this big title run, but it, shouldn't they just have all the belts? Wait, what? I'm confused. So, uh, is MCMG also the tag champs right now? No, 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 no. The, the, I think that's the next pay-per-view they're going against whoever wins this. Yeah, that's what I was saying is, like, if you're doing the dual championship thing they're currently doing, why would you not just already have the tag belts on them? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, but the tag teams for this one, who, like I said, I think are going against them next time, but the whole concept is can they beat their matches tonight? and actually achieve that or are they just going to be you know without belts going for those tag belts but on this one abc uh ace austin chris bay the champions against brian myers and moose against rich rick swan and sammy callahan uh and also against subculture mark andrews and flash morgan webster um who i said earlier signed recently so this is going to be a fucking fun tag team match. It's probably going to be more like, I would say, an AEW you know, tag match than the WWE one, especially with four fucking teams. But I expect – let me actually think about this. I don't, think, I don't think Bullet Club is losing shit. I think Ace Austin and Chris Bay are going to win this. Um, yeah, that, that's what I think. I was so disappointed when – Chris Bay was not the other member of Bullet Club Gold. I was so sad about that. But uh, yeah, if, if he's not moving, there is no reason why they should not win this. Uh, outside of maybe setting up a golden opportunity to have like Brian Myers pull it down and like Creed play, you know, because that that fucking entire band is is Edge's <laughs> Edge's theme song band. <laughs> Yeah. Like if Brian Myers pulls, like you know, if Brian My- Myers wins this match and it plays like "Can You Take Me Home," I'd pop so fucking hard. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're thinking I, about I, it. And you're I, like, I would pop too. You're like, if Brian Myers got to roll up in, I kind of so- <laughs> want Brian Myers to win this match for Moose, and Moose be like, "What? You did it? Holy shit!" He's like, God damn it, I did do it. <laughs> he points at Moose, and then all of a sudden, Creed comes in. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like he just raised into the uh, into the sky, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Brian Myers, is, uh, Brian Myers might be one of the most underappreciated wrestlers in the entire world right now, because like, most of the good wrestlers on AEW just like graduated from training with Brian Myers and Creative Pro. So Yep. Absolutely, including uh Mr. MJF. Um so you're gonna love this one. For the X Division Championship, Chris Sabin is going against someone that attacked him and has been doing some kill promos and also helping out uh Nick Aldis. Um but uh, we haven't seen him in a minute. He was, like I said, in Mexico for a little while in the W. I think he went over to Japan. Chris, who do you think is going against Chris Saban? 
He's coming out of retirement. God, what a great gimmick that was if you weren't coming out of retirement. Um, uh, Jerry Lynn. I don't know. I'm just going to take a wild guess because I have not seen the last like three or four episodes. Did you hear me? No, what were you saying? Leo Rush. That doesn't count as coming out of retirement. Coming out of retirement doesn't mean you get fired from every job you are, and then on Twitter you say you're retired. (laughs) That's why I phrased it like that. Oh, God. Look, I'm sorry. Leo Rush, he can do some good shit. He's been doing it since he was in the CZW. I'm not discrediting what he can do, but that motherfucker is like, that's Alberto Del Rio cancer. Like, why the fuck would they, they could just have the same match and put Chris Bay in it and it would be just as good, if not better. Like, yep, he's going against Chris Sabin. And if I don't know if he's officially signed, like I said, he just, he worked at three different promotions. He basically, the last time he quote unquote, retired was after the spat with uh tony over at AEW, and then he went on and now he's kind of been doing stuff here and there but you know which is also the dumbest spat of all time because yeah their team lost but they let leo hit every fucking high spot in the entire world and we were all like oh damn leo's like looks great right (laughs) and he was like gone two weeks later the fuck is like if you're Scott Demore or you know Lance Storm or you know I don't know just Billy Kidman work there I'm sure Billy Kidman works there um like fuck that guy <laughs> honestly yeah. you can't you can't trust him you can't put him in any kind of main event picture at this point like I said he's great in the ring dude he's really fucking athletic he he can definitely run circles around me he's good on the mic sure. and he's good on the mic but like Every time someone tries to give him like a little bit of a push, he just disappears. Even in CZW, the night he left CZW, he was the heavyweight champion and took a, like a bump spot off of fucking ladder through like two tables going into NXT. So it's like, I, I don't know. Oh, I agree with you, man. I totally agree with you. I think they should just go fucking full heel and then get Velveteen Dream in there since they used to be a tag team and just piss off everyone you know what i'm saying the rush velveteen dream um oh that would yeah. be a great tag team and also i guarantee you velveteen dream would be more professional than fucking leo rush what a, he would just be happy to be able to be invited back to the party <laughs> i love that velveteen dream has to be canceled completely from every wrestling promotion compared to people that will still work with like alberto del rio that Everything has been reversed. Everything has been shown. You know, he sued them and everything. And so now he just, instead of becoming any type of star in wrestling, even on like the level of an impact, is going to slowly kill himself by drinking himself to death. So, uh, so that's it. So, so what you have to do, Dane, is you have to come out with a rap song. <laughs> Are you referring to Enzo? <laughs> Talking about your consensual penis. <laughs> so that everyone knows. <laughs> I wonder if we can sing like Prince. Anyways, now let's. That would be amazing. Prince singing consensual penis. Like, like if you think, don't want to be, but like somehow figure out consensual penis in that 
you know, don't want to be your lover. Don't want to be the only one you could do that, but somehow figure out a way to put consensual penis in it. Can we get the sound font and make it about consensual penises? Just keep on going. winning that match. I have bad. Yeah, I'm going to go with Chris Saban because MCMG for life, bro. <laughs> All right, this one's interesting. We have Bully Ray. Unfortunately, Steve Macklin's out for a little while. He uh, fucked up his ankle. Um, at in, that, in, in that match against Alex Shelley, right? It might have been, but he was supposed to team with Bully Ray to go with Scott Demore and a mystery partner. Um, Scott Demore did this thing where he... He was talking about like who his partner is going to be and just put like a Canadian flag down. So I don't know. I'm I'm looking at Team Canada. I know that Bobby Roode's not available because he works for WWE. I know that what's his name? Uh, Eric Kelly also works does for does he work there? I haven't fucking seen him in <laughs> Dude, two years. If if they have a match and Bobby Roode comes back. In fucking impact, that would be awesome. I just don't see it happening personally. And like I said, Eric Young now works there. So is it going to be a, just a Canadian? Is it going to be Lance Storm since he works? Is he coming out of retirement? So it's interesting whoever this person is for this match. It's fucking Bret Hart. He's coming out. Out of wow. retirement in a hardcore match against Bully Ray and some random dude named Diener that he's never heard of. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, not, not to be a dick, but let's go Bully Ray. Let's go USA. Yeah, dude. Fuck it. I got no allegiance I'm, to Canada. <laughs> I'm so mad Macklin's hurt. I wanted to see him and Bully Ray tag team in this match, but oh well. Um, they're, 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 they should be so grateful that they did not book like Motor City Machine Guns plus one partner versus Canada because there is no way – that they would be able to convince a crowd that the Canada team is, you know, the one you should cheer for. <laughs> I'm actually hoping it's the hologram of Owen Hart. I mean, why not? Why not? It's, yeah. Impact going impact. <laughs> you, fucking, you remember? They I'll, hired Jeremy. They hired Jeremy Borash. Borash is back, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, all right. So Team Canada. Who else was in that group? Back in the day, it was it was definitely Bobby Roode. So members consisted of uh, Scott Demore, Johnny Devine, Tyson Ducks, Jack Evans, Teddy Hart. Was it it? Bobby Roode, Ruffy Silverstein, Petey Williams. There's a good chance that that could be him. Um, I don't think he's <laughs> tired. Eric Young, uh, Jack Evans. Uh, and I think that's it. Um, so we have yeah. we actually have actually two options. It's going to be Jack Evans or you know uh, Bobby Roode. It should be Bobby Roode. I can see it being Petey. He comes back once in a while to to impact. Um, yeah, but like this is like their main event. They're building to the next thing. Like that's yeah, a little bit lackluster. If it was Bobby Roode, that would be awesome. I mean, nothing, nothing against Pete Williams. I like Pete Williams a lot, especially if you go back and watch some of those old on the road uh, documentaries he used to do in Ring of Honor. Shit's fucking funny as fuck. But he is not like that is not like a chain. Like, I'm going to tune into Impact to see Pete Williams. 
It's not going to happen. It's a good point. But we'll find out uh, who I think is going to win. We already said Bully, bully needs to win. We're, we're evil. All right. Women's uh, championship match. This one looks awesome. Deanna Prazo versus Trinity, the former Naomi. Uh, Deanna's hold it. I, it's, I'm up in the air, but if Trinity wins it, I'm not going to be mad Deanna lost it because she's had it off and on for the last, like, fucking year. Um, uh, it's not going to do anything to her. So Trinity's going to win did, the best. Did she, did she end up signing, re-signing with Impact? Do you know? I don't Deanna? remember. <laughs> nope. Because if not, like, there's got to be... Well, if you're WWE or AEW, you have to be stupid to not be trying to sign Deanna. She's great. Also, if you're WWE, you're already stupid because you fired her in the fucking first place. Idiots. Um, I, I think you have to put the belt on Trinity because you're bringing her in as the new star. But uh, I'm fine with it either way. Yeah, same. And the last one, championship match, uh, men's championship match. Alex Shelley, the champion, against Nick Aldis. Um, this is another one I could see it going either way. Um, Shelley's held it not too long, but, I mean, for most of the summer, had a bunch of matches. Um, Nick Aldis is their newest signee, male. That's a big name. But then again, if Alex wins it, they could set up some stuff going forward. So it's a – who do I pick? I want Alex Shelley, but I have to pick Nick Aldis. Once again, I cannot pick against the Motor City Machine Guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alex Shelley is going to win this. Slice bread number two. Lifts the leg, gets the pin. He's been killing it, man. Having great matches, cutting great promos, calling people out. Um, it, it's It's been fun, but um, all right. Chris, should we go over Money in the Bank at all, just briefly? Since we unfortunately didn't have a show last week. Yeah, I mean, we can. There was like, um, yeah, there was a few things that were really good on that show. It was a good, it was a very good pay per view. I will say that. As far as money, I thought the women's Money in the Bank match might have been the best one I've seen in like the past five years. Yeah, that was pretty fucking awesome. Trish took so many fucking bumps, and I'm like, oh my god, stop killing Trish, please. <laughs> no shit. Um, 12-year-old me loves her so much. <laughs> stop murdering her. She was taking so many fucking bumps. <laughs> she Sami zayn the shit out of that. Fucking Canadians. They can't handle having a ladder match, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Proof. Sami yeah. Zayn, Kevin Owens. <laughs> Edge. Christian. They're going to be cannon fodder at some point. All right. Well, just the first match itself, uh, the men's money in the bank. I thought this was a good match. 20 minutes, 25 seconds. Damian Priest, Butch, L.A. Knight, Logan Paul, Ricochet, Santos Escobar, Shinsuke Nakamura. I believe last time I said that's either Logan Paul, L.A. Knight, Damian Priest. I said that people are going to want, and yes, they fucking did. Holy shit. There was a time period where if you went to any comment section involved with Money in the Bank, period, not just this match, LA Knight should have won. Why didn't LA Knight win this match? Chill out. He's building himself. It's fine, guys. 
And a lot of people were questioning if Logan Paul would win. It was Damian Priest. Um, craziest fucking thing, Chris, obviously. Ricochet was trying, I think, to do a Spanish fly with Logan Paul from the apron to a table that was a little bit too far away. And I thought Logan Paul got killed in it. Um, so, so Alvarez and Meltzer went into this of what they were trying to do. So they were going to f- try to fall off the ladder, hit the top rope, and then do a Spanish fly together, which sounds even crazier than what fucking happened, honestly. <laughs> like, Yeah, and just his head taking out a chunk of the other table um, by itself. It was a nasty spot, but... Uh, Damian Priest won. Yeah, he fucking well. Shout out to Logan Paul because he fucking showed up, like on SmackDown. Like he showed up hard as fuck, dude. And Ricochet did the front flip. This is like I, dude. Logan Paul is slowly becoming one of my favorite wrestlers, which is it, it sounds like the dumbest thing to say ever. But this guy like obviously loves wrestling. Because why the fuck else would this dude that's like a millionaire show up and do this dumb shit? Like, he is doing very dumb shit. Like, actively dumb shit. (laughs) I completely agree with you. I would say, after MJF, he's my favorite entertaining heel in the business, right? When he's on the mic, he's fucking great. The interactions, him talking shit to people around the ringside. You know, he's so natural with promos. I'm not going to say that he's as good as MJF or anything like that, but he's he just comes off, like, more, like, on the spot. You know what I'm saying? Like, what you would naturally yeah. say. And I just, I think he's great, man. I love how cocky he is. Like, he thinks he's a good guy, and he doesn't give a shit if everyone thinks he's a bad guy. <laughs> so, obviously... He must be working out with Ricochet or something because they have a match set up for that next pay-per-view. It's going to be Ricochet versus Logan Paul, right? Yep. Which will be good for Logan Paul because that means he's going to win because Ricochet never fucking wins. Yeah, you're right. But it is what it is, brother. Um, To be fair to Logan Paul, he never fucking wins either. (laughs) So... Yeah, no like, kidding. If, if you think about it, dude, it's the battle of the losers. If I was booking, I would have Roman show up and spear both of them. <laughs> God, back in the day, we had Barry Horowitz and the Brooklyn Brawler, and now we have Logan Paul and Ricochet. Huh, it's crazy. Um, I mean, nothing's going to hurt Logan Paul because, like, one, he's really good on the mic, and he already has, like, another presence. But, like, Ricochet might be important to actually do something headed into this pay-per-view. Well, honestly, and I mean, we can talk about it now because we're going to kind of briefly run through everything on Raw, but I just feel like it should have been a little bit less talking and Ricochet should have just did the jump thing a little bit early into it. I think that he's... He's better off with a mask on. I'm sorry, where he doesn't have to talk or some shit. Like, I like Ricochet a lot. He's gotten better, but I think, especially when he's going against someone like Logan Paul, who's so natural on the mic, he kind of got exploited a bit. To me. 
Ricochet has always been better as a heel. When he's in Japan, he was the king, right? Like he had a heel gimmick. He was kind of doing like uh, the King of Bros type gimmick, but in Japan, if you want him as a babyface, put the fucking mask on him. Bring Puma back. Yep. You gotta you gotta pay like fucking Lucha Underground fifty cents or whatever. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm sure WWE pay pay the fucking money. <laughs> Pay Robert Rodriguez three hundred dollars for the fucking gimmick, so he can get it on Ricochet, and he can be a fucking like a, a, a tiger mask, like he was in in WWE. Oh shit, you know? It would be so fucking amazing if he dressed up like El Generico. Hell yeah, <laughs> would. Him and him and Sammy had a feud. Sammy's so like, I don't. You're the real El Generico. I don't you know. don't look like you've been working at an adoption agency in Honduras for the past 10 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so this next match. <laughs> I didn't see this coming. I thought Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, they finally got the championships. They've had a couple matches. They're just dominating. <laughs> they're they're going to finally do... What I thought that they wanted to do, which would be a tag team in a unit, I did forget that they also wanted to have a feud together. And uh, basically kind of – I think Shayna was actually, from what I recall, fucking up. But uh, she was getting mad at Ronda, and Liv Morgan and Raquel would end up winning because Shayna just beat the shit out of her and left her. So that's been causing – some uh, interesting reactions. I'm sure they'll have a good match. Maybe I'll care, you know, hopefully. But uh, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez are the tag team champions again. And I just got to say, Raquel is someone that should be in the championship picture. And um, But it's, it's, it's the woman tag titles. I thought they had – okay, I'll give, Ronda, I'll give Ronda and Shane a chance. Get the next pay per view, shit, it beats the shit out of her. So, all right, what are what do I know, Chris? Well, do you want a spoiler of what's going to happen with this or hard against it? Spoiler warning, spoiler warning. So, uh, as far as I know, Rhonda only has two dates left and they haven't re signed her and she is not going to be at Mania. So it would make sense for the heel turn with Shayna, or or she heel turns on Shayna and Shayna beats her the uh, singles match. But yeah, she's got like two dates left on her contract. All right, so yeah, I would say just kind of keep this feud going and let obviously the inevitable winner of the match is Shayna. Put her over on the way out. I mean, I'm sure that's when. He's gonna be gone after. Raquel looks like Raquel looks like a, I created a wrestler on SmackDown uh, to a female wrestler. Like she she needs to get some expression in her face when she's doing these matches. Like I'm not a yeah. huge fan of like uh, Liv Morgan, but like at least Liv Morgan looks like she's getting killed. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I do. I definitely do. All right, next match. We had a singles match for the Intercontinental Championship match. I knew these guys would have a good match. I mean, they've worked and evolved together. They've worked over in the UK together. Gunther, Matt Riddle, and Gunther won. I didn't really think that was weird. 
I like that recently they've been trying to make Matt Riddle come off more like a, a aggressive and kind of get away from some of the goofiness. Uh, so good match. Gunther won. That's supposed. That's what was supposed to happen, right? Yeah, it's kind of a toss away match for me, but it was a good match as far as like uh, in ring quality and stuff goes. But yeah, he had to win. All right, next we have uh, Cody and Dominic. I'll still say, I don't care. I think that we could have gone with all the members uh, winning at this um, of Judgment Day, but they they had Cody go over Dominic. Um, it was a fun match. Uh, the audience was really fucking into this because, like I said, and I expected them to be, Cody is so over as a baby face and everyone hates Dominic. But uh, Cody ended up winning. And now it seems like his focus is towards Brock Lesnar. I just think it's not going to hurt Cody personally to me if Brock, instead of, you know, doing shit the next night, just came and fucked over Cody in this match. And then Dom gets a fucking win over Cody. The audience would have been more pissed and it would have been Dominic's biggest win. So that's just my opinion. I'm not going to really complain too much over Cody Rhodes winning a match, though. Yeah, I, I, I don't have really any. I mean, there was a lot of fuckery, obviously, but I don't have any problems with the outcome of the match. Um, with Cody, do you think he's getting a title at Mania? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm still with my um, theory that that's going to be WrestleMania, him and him and uh, Roman. I don't think The Rock's going to that's going to happen. And honestly, I haven't heard a lot about that whole concept since this last WrestleMania when, yeah, it's not happening this mania. So maybe it'll happen down the road with him and Roman, but I think it's Roman and Cody. Cody gets that title. Finally. I mean, he even said it on an interview recently where he was talking and putting up the world championship, how it has, you know, a lot of um, credibility due to its history and, and whatnot. And, you know, it's not that he he doesn't he discredits Seth as a champion, but the championship he's still looking for is the one his dad didn't get. So I think that I, I think he has to take down Roman. So all right, all right, two two questions for you. Does Cody have a tag like a time machine to to go back to like ninety three when Rick brought the belt over and it actually meant something? Or uh, the second question would be, wouldn't it be, well, it's not really a question. It's more of a statement. What if you do the whole buildup, like Cody is the first in the Royal Rumble or whatever, and he lasts the entire time, and then number 30 is like, you know, Randy Orton, and he just fucking tosses Cody. Cody's got one more year of chasing the title. Oh, God, that would make people furious. I mean, it uh, should. It's. I mean, it should. That that's a good way to do it, because everyone's gonna pop for you know Randy coming out. They're gonna be like, "Holy shit, it's Randy Orton! We love Randy Orton!" And then he just like punts Cody in the head or something, tosses his ass out. He'll be the he'll be the biggest heel in the company. I mean, minus Paul Heyman, because Paul Heyman is technically the biggest heel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really is. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's an interesting uh. 
That's interesting. We'll have to talk about it more when we get to media next year, but I'm definitely excited about what could possibly happen, and especially that prospect is uh, interesting. Yeah, because they they don't know if they're going to have Rock or not. Obviously, they want to do Rock versus Roman. I'm assuming they'll bring in Rikishi at some point this summer um, during the storyline. And maybe that all builds to uh, Cody at some point. But it's almost better if, like, you make Roman face another venomous spider or, you know, and this a snake of of Roman Reigns or something as far as going into Mania. But uh, and, and you could always have, like I said, you could have Cody win the Cody could have already won the belt from Seth. No one gives a shit about that. They just want to do that dumbass Whoa. shit. They there's do when also, he comes out. There's also a possibility where Cody, even if that were to happen in a situation like that, now you're not sure where, where Randy's going, and they have elimination chamber, and they could do the same thing they've done beforehand, where the winner goes against blah blah blah, and then Cody wins that or some shit. So. I think it's definitely going to be Cody and and, and uh, uh, Roman, but very interesting bringing up Randy Orton. Very interesting. It, it it can't it can't be Cody versus Roman yet. No, um, it doesn't. It, oh, at WrestleMania, yeah. I mean, if they can't get the Rock, I still think they're going to do Cody uh, or the Rock versus Roman. Well, we'll find out. If they don't do Cena versus Roman, honestly, no, we got to have Cody finish the story. That's way more important than I think Cena. Is it more important than how hard those promos from how hard those promos from Cena would go, making fun of like The Rock filming, you know, Fast and the Furious thirteen or whatever? You're asking me, is it? it would I rather see Roman go against Cody or John Cena talk shit about The Rock in a feud with Roman? He would talk shit about The Rock for not showing up, dude. That's talking about the bloodline. Well, like, you don't talk about him. He's one of my clients. Well, we'll get him against Cena. We'll get someone against Cena. He already lost to Roman anyways throughout the whole time. So, so tread old water. Ugh. All right, women's match, Money in the Bank. Great, great match. I feel really bad for Trish's body. Why did she do some of the stuff she did in that match? I don't know, but she's been out for a while, so I'm sure she's fucking healing up from it. But uh, did you expect Io Sky to win? I think everyone was thinking that, uh, I don't know, it might be uh, Trish or Zelina, I think, were the two people everyone was saying. I think on the prediction show, I called Bailey a Bailey turn. On this one, um, I, I think I said either Bailey or Trish, so I was double wrong. Yep, it was EO, and I love that. At least we're getting—I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, I like that there's a lot of good choices within the women's division as presented last night. We got Bailey, EO, fucking uh, Charlotte, uh, Bianca, and obviously the champion Oscar. All you know, involved in that in some way. They have a really good division on SmackDown, it seems. But who's, I don't know. It's interesting. I'd love to see EO and Asuka in a match. I definitely want to see Bianca and Charlotte in the ring again. You know, it's, uh, it's fun. 
I, I have something to say about Charlotte. Love her as a professional wrestler. Love Andre. Andrade, right? Love you. Love your dad. Why are you dressed like Britney Spears to wrestle a fucking match? The fuck was that? Oh, the jumpsuit? Yeah. She's been wearing that uh, not so much in the matches, but like around the ring. But I have no idea what the fuck that is. My biggest thing with it. She usually ends up wearing heels and then goes after the ladies and then is running around like barefoot. It's like, I guess she is like Britney Spears, like you said. She got those uh, grocery store feet. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's the setup. Maybe they're building us up for Rhea to shave her head. It'll be title versus hair. Yeah, that could definitely be it. That, All will, right. that, that will never happen because it's WWE. But anyway, Charlotte's great. Rhea's great. The women's division in WWE is uh, leaps and bounds better than AEW. There's a great division there as far as EO and who she should challenge. Yeah, I, I still I still think that Becky is or not, not Becky, but Bailey is still going to be hard inserted into that storyline because she technically helped EO win the title. Right, so. You you may even see that briefcase switch at some point, but yeah. Yep, completely agree. Uh, next match, I think this might have been my favorite match of the night. Uh, 12 minutes, but Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, they work extremely well together. I wanted Finn to win this, and I also wanted Damien to win the next one, so that was a problem uh, between them. I don't think it really matters if... I mean, he's over enough. I don't think it matters if Seth has the championship and he's held it for a minute since they brought it up. So uh, give Finn like a little time is all I was saying. But they had a good match. I don't need to see, even if it's Finn then doing it to Seth, the fucking buckle bomb in, in the uh, to the outside, which is exactly what hurt Finn. Uh, what are you going to do? But both guys are great. Finn ended up, ended up losing. And, uh, yeah, you know, you had the, the, the moment where Damien comes out and it's like, what the fuck's he doing out here from Finn? And, uh, you know, it, it basically causes a distraction on accident, which inevitably is the reason why Finn Balor lost the match. So but what if Finn lot or won and now Damien has that and he has that and you can use that where you're going fucking anyways and give Finn one world title run since he never got to have one. But what do I know? Fuck me. Yeah, they're really believing in Seth as a top guy because his music does the thing and people sing to it. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of... For the millionth time on that, uh, <laughs> pretty fucking over. You know, I mean... This match was not... In comparison, because we like right before this match and they were trying to do a lot of like New Japan style spots. And we just watched like, you know, Kenny versus Will Ospreay. And it was rushed. Uh, I don't know if the women's match ran over what the time should be. They were fucking up spots uh, in the last five minutes of that match. Pretty bad. And both of those guys are way better than that. 
So if you're gonna cut time from anything, don't cut it from the fucking Finn Balor Seth Rollins match. The championship match. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, maybe don't cut time from that one. I know that both guys are capable of doing a very good quick match, but let let that thing roll. Um, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of Seth Rollins and his current character in general. I've talked about it, but as far as his ring work and it, it, pretty much every match he's had, it's been a good match. You know, I, the finish is a little weird. It's a setup for, you know, Finn and Damian Priest more than anything to do with uh, Seth. I think that's more of my problem is like there is no baby face for Seth unless like Bobby Lashley shows up out of the sky or some shit. Well, I think it's Damien who's going to take that off of him and probably would be sooner than later and maybe even put his dominance within their group and lead the problems, I'm assuming, with Seth, or not Seth, uh, Finn Balor. But, yeah. You're, I mean, because they're really playing hard into that Seth is like a, the Joker. So he's definitely going to con- convince these people to not wrestle him. Which, if you're heavyweight champion, is kind of the worst storyline of all time. Wait, wait. Get him to not wrestle him? Yes. Seth's whole thing has been that he wants to have matches like every week because Roman's the champion that barely puts up his title. But isn't that exactly what the Joker would say if he's not really serious about it? I think the laughing thing is definitely Joker inspired, but I think it's just a part of the 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 concept. I don't. He's definitely a babyface now. He he's wrestling a bunch of goofs for the most part outside of Damian Priest and Finn Balor. It, it to me it seems like that like Seth is. I'm, I'm not going to call him a heel. They're going to do tweener with him or whatever, but. It, it, it's not like it's he's not doing the John Cena U.S. champion like tournament or whatever. No, no, this is, isn't like John or AJ. This is kind of he's definitely a character, but like. I don't I know. mean, he, he canceled matches leading into this pay-per-view for the title. He's like, ah, you didn't do the specific way that I said I do it. Let's sing my song. I don't remember that. Well, yeah, it's, not, it's, it's not really. None of this is Seth's fault. Seth is a great wrestler. But uh, there's no reason for two titles to be. Well, technically three titles. Um, three heavyweight titles. And uh, if you're going to have Seth win it, why would you not just have him beat Roman? I feel like that would be a big fucking moment. Cause, well, I don't you know. know. They, they decided to do the split brand stuff, but. You know, over on the other side, they basically have two heavyweight champions. Just one of them's not official, and he has a bag with it in it, and the other one is official. Yeah, I can't give him too much shit because they obviously know more than me because they have three million viewers on SmackDown right now, which is like uh, one plus two point five of what they had last year this time. Yeah, and it's all, it's all on the back of Roman and the bloodline. Uh, dude, uh, think about this. Three biggest baby faces in the company. I don't think there's any arguing based on getting a reaction. Cody, Sami Zayn, Jey Uso. 
Not saying Kevin Owens is high too. Obviously, Jimmy's is high too. Everyone that loves LA Knight, but those three specifically, and also Seth is over. Uh, those three specifically, who is the guy that was involved with them that pushed them to becoming that big of a babyface? I mean, hopefully it's either Jimmy or Jay. Well, speaking about Jimmy and Jay. Unless would- Haku's coming back, then it's Haku. Haku's just- <laughs> well, you know, speaking about them, what, what did you think about the uh, the where we are now with the Bloodline Civil War tag team match? The longest match, 32 minutes. Jay and Jimmy Uso, Solo and Roman, Jay pinned Roman Reigns. First pin Roman's had. Obviously, it's a tag match, but fucking this match was great. Uh, I keep on saying it. Roman's his cells uh, or or his like, I can't believe this is happening face his his angry face. Like his facial expressions are incredible. Uh, they make these matches. And um, I always can do without less. And this is for the Young Bucks to super kicks. But that's what the Usos and the Young Bucks do. I need to get the fuck over it. But either way. Awesome match. Did not see that coming. Thought it was a really cool uh, ending to this thing. And, dude, I mean, even though Roman's a championship, this has nothing to do with the championship, a part of this. And people just like good storylines. Crazy. Uh, I think I messaged you as soon as I watched this match. I was like, this fucking match was great. This is a great fucking match. The storytelling was amazing as far as, like, what they were trying to accomplish. And uh, we got to see Roman Reigns take one of the best bumps ever on a double super kick. Oh, my God, dude. He he Shawn Michaels the shit out of that bump. <laughs> yeah. The double super kick, which was incredible. For those out there that don't know, Roman Reigns is actually a good wrestler, y'all. It's okay. You can, you can say he's a good wrestler now. You're in a safe space. Um, it was great because, like, you had so – like, the finish – like there was a lot of like static stuff, like you're saying, like there there was maybe one too many super kicks from liking or whatever, and they drug the match out a little bit. But like, you know, to get the pin over Roman, who had not been pinned in like three years, and the fact that they built that up, headed into the, looking at you, AEW, on commentary, <laughs> they talked about the fact that Roman had not been pinned in three years to make it a bigger deal, right? And Roman's over cockiness of like, you drag their asses over here. I'm going to pin them just like I did Edge and and Daniel Bryan. And they both kicked out. It's fucking great, dude. It's, it's a masterpiece. If you like old school ass wrestling, this is a fucking masterpiece. If you if you like, uh, you know, and I, and I like both. If you like like the uh, like Okada Omega matches kind of stuff, this is probably not for you. But th- like as far as like storytelling and everything, it's fucking great. It's a great match. It's my um, third favorite match of the year so far. Yeah, good stuff. Looking forward to. I mean, and that that would follow up with it looked like Roman was going to put over Jey Uso as the new tribal chief, and he got all emotional, started crying and whatnot. And then attacked the shit out of Jay, and they fucking made Jay watch as they try to cripple Jimmy, uh, Solo and Roman, with Solo at the end of it, 
fucking running and doing a splash through the damn table. Uh, just great shit, man. And Jay and, and, and Roman's going to be a great match. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Also, this uh, solo, the solo Sokoa thumb spike plus spear move that him and Roman are doing is great. Yeah. Because if someone punched me in the throat and then like hit me in the midsection, I would probably die. <laughs> I, think, I, think I think it's so fucking awesome. But I'm also a big fan of like Umaga and Haku, so like I, I was already a, a, a huge fan of the Samoan spike in general coming back and, and then when like he hits it and then Roman just fucking spears the guy. Dude, that's great. That's like some Steiner Brothers shit right there. <laughs> Samoan monster, dude. Fucking solo killer. But, um, yeah. That was it. Sorry that we, uh, you know, didn't have a show last week. Still wanted to kind of go over it because it was, uh, was fun, you know? It was a good pay-per-view that took three hours. Yep. Unlike the AEW pay-per-view I watched, which took seven hours. Which, is now, which was also a good pay-per-view. Oh, awesome pay-per-view, but it was also on Sunday now where there was no way Dame was going to make it until the end of the pay-per-view. So I had to watch the next day and hopefully it didn't get spoiled. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take something very special for me to stay up past, like, you know, twelve twenty to watch a AEW match or any wrestling match or any boxing match. Or UFC match. Like if Conor McGregor is going to fight Jay Leno <laughs> at 12, 12 on Sunday, I might stay up for that. But I don't, I don't know. I don't see it happening, but maybe I would watch it for sure. You know? Uh, all right. You dropped away, Dane. It's kind of skimmed through Raw. Um, go over any hey, highlights. Hey, Dane. You, you, I can barely hear you, bud. You dropped away. Can you hear me now? Nope. Well, I can, but you're very low. All right. Can you hear me now? Moving around my room. Did you accidentally turn speaker off? Um, hold on. Maybe I didn't. Nope. No, nope, there on. you are. You're back. I'm back? Yep. Okay. All right. Sorry about that, boys and girls and everyone else. Uh, Hold on. Give me one second. I'll time step this so I can just cut it all out. You're about to talk about Raw. It's uh, two hours and 14 minutes. All right. So let's let's talk about some Raw. Kind of skim it a little bit, Chris. Uh, so obviously the biggest thing is that Finn Balor and Damian Priest, like we said, is having issues, and Dominic and Rhea are trying to keep them from going at it. Uh, there was a weird part where Seth Rollins came out with a big plate of buffalo wings. I don't really know what that was about. Uh, I I didn't get that reference either. Did one of these? Did someone work at Buffalo's or Hooters or something? Like, what was what no. was the joke on that? They're in Buffalo, New York. 
That was it. It was dumb. <laughs> it's like, and I and I, and I'm thinking, he better eat all of that shit because it looks delicious. That's why I always feel like with WWE, Jesus Christ. But yeah, that that was that was the only reason I did that. <laughs> Do you remember when Kevin's like Kevin Owens threw archery through the cake or whatever, and like everyone else was arguing, fighting, and he was just sitting at the catering table trying to eat a hot dog or whatever the Fourth of July episode. I miss him. I haven't seen that piece in a minute. We need some more. <laughs> yeah, it's always kind of weird when you. I don't know. Like, were wings? Did wings elevate this angle at all? Yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, so the next thing, I don't really care about the match. It was uh, both members of Imperium, not obviously Gunther, going against Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre. We're leading to Drew McIntyre and Gunther, obviously, for that IC title. I'm really excited about that match, Chris. I think these two guys will beat the living shit out of each other. Should be a good match, but we've already seen it. Oh, we have seen Gunther and Drew McIntyre. That's right. They did yeah, have a good match. I would rather see like a fired up Matt Riddle, but we're not going to get that one. Or Matt, like a like someone like a Ricochet versus Gunther, or like you know just someone that's the wrestles different than Gunther. Like nothing against Drew McIntyre, but we kind of know what the match is going to be because we've seen it. Yeah, that's a good point. It'll be great. It'll be a really good match. They're going to beat the absolute dog shit out of each other. So it will not be good for their bodies, but it should be a really good match. What are we going to get fucking Ilya Dragunov on the main roster? You just beat Braun Breaker. Like, come on, man. Let's do it. In one hell of a match him and Braun Breaker had, by the way. Hell yeah, they did. And dude, he looked full as fuck for being a smaller dude. Like... It's time to unleash your weird Russian Ultimate Warrior meets Chris Benoit concept. Yeah, we we don't really talk about NXT that often, but that if you're gonna go watch anything off the, like WWE Network the past week, that's the fucking go watch that. It was great. It was a really good fucking match. And really cool with all the interactions of the main the uh, main roster wrestlers recently on there more so. Um, and it looks like Baron Corbin's staying there for a while, but hey, Baron can teach a lot of those guys and just work and be a good heel. Maybe, uh, you know, come up with something different because he doesn't have a lot of room on uh, Raw or SmackDown right now. So, you know. Yeah. All right. We already talked about, uh, well, Dominic lost to Seth Rollins. Good match. But uh, the face to face we talked about with Logan Paul and Ricochet. Uh, what else happened? Becky Lynch went against Zoe Starks and beat her. Oh, no, no, that's right. Zoe Starks got her biggest win, I should say, and beat her. Uh, of course, it was because of Trish, but, I mean, that's a big deal for Zoe Starks, right, Chris? It is a big deal for Zoe Starks. I Do you like Zoe Starks? She's kind of plain. I think they could make her more, like, I liked her as a baby face when she first was in NXT. She was, like, a badass, but, like, you know. Like, I, I felt like she came over better than that. But, you know, she's trying to heal thing. She has potential. I think she, she her weakest point is her talking or personality itself. Yeah, so, I, I mean, like, not to be like I just didn't care, but I just don't care that much about Zoe Starks. 
No, I get it. She is no Ricky Starks. There you go. Uh, There's just something about, like, I don't know. She needs a manager or something. Like, I don't know. Trying to think of a good way that you would position Zoe Starks that she could be successful on the main roster. No, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think right now, under the learning tree of Trish, um, and working with her, working with Becky, it's definitely not something bad for her. So maybe she gets something out of this, which is probably why they paired her to be with Becky and Trish within the storyline. Which I get why they did that, but we've also seen that happen on WCW. We've seen it happen in WWF. We've seen it happen in Impact. If you put like, yeah. if you put the Ric Flair of that division with someone, it doesn't necessarily mean that person is going to become Ric Flair. And it also doesn't mean that they're going to get a rub off of it. Like, and some of these people are really great wrestlers. Like, uh, AJ Styles is a prime example. If you go back and look at Impact, you can't just like throw a legend. And they're like, oh well, you know, it'll just work out, I guess. Yeah, I agree. All right, um, Cody came out. He talked. He compared Lesnar to everyone's biggest hurdle. Uh, I, I think that's a really good way to describe his dominance, but I've never heard that before. Cody's just really good with words, man. And I love it because like I always say, it's like he's got much more dice, much more diction words where his dad had the same exact cadence with the same like amount of passion when he's saying stuff. But obviously would, you know, and they both have like the list. But obviously, Dusty kind of went more funky, like a monkey, with the way that he would say stuff. But they're so damn similar. They just like when when Dusty talks, just like when Cody talks, you're like, yeah, majority of the time. I mean, that's just how you feel. I feel like. But uh, yeah, more stuff. Cody is like kind of interesting in the way he does promos because he's openly told us that he like writes it out first. Then he sends it through the writers. Then it comes back to him and then he changes like to his need because he talked about that that when he was in AEW but he's like killing it right now like he's he's fucking great but he's never going to be dusty <laughs> no. there's some big ass boots but Cody Cody's been great on promos I just don't you know as far as like where they're, what they're they're just going to dick him around into Wrestlemania basically so the storyline doesn't mean anything like so yeah. anything that Co- like Cody does Knowing that that is the case, unless they bring the rock back like next week or something uh, to challenge Roman, it just, it doesn't matter because the match is like Cody versus. Yeah, no, I mean, what, what I was saying is like it doesn't really like the thing about Cody is he's kind of in that weird spot where the match doesn't actively matter, right? Because we're all building up to the pay-per-view. It's it's one of the things I actually like the way they're they've been booking with WWE because they have consistent storylines. But this storyline is coming from last WrestleMania, and like you can't you can't just have Cody. Cody has to win the title from Roman or or The Rock or whoever beats Roman at Mania. 
for it to mean anything at all. So they're kind of stuck with whatever they're doing with him. That being said, he's doing great promos. And I'm excited to see Steve, your boy, Stephen Mills coming back. Oh, he is? Yeah, he, he, he has a date coming on to uh, Cody got him a date. And uh, a lot of the internet rumors is like, that is the perfect time for Brock Lesnar to just throw a motherfucker. And dude, as weird as, as Stephen Amell is, he would probably be like, I kind of want to get suplexed by Brock Lesnar. Like, that would be cool. <laughs> like, why would you want that at all? But, you know, I can see him being like that. Well, you know, to be fair, if you're going to take like a, you know, a belly to belly suplex, like Brock is probably the one to do it. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. That'll be cool. I'm sure he'll be there to promote Heels as well since season two is going to be coming out. So, Yeah, that's coming out uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming he's supposed to be on Raw coming up. I, I did see some articles about that. I'm assuming that Lesnar is just going to murder this guy, which I'm fine with. Yeah, I love Steven, but yeah, sorry. You can get destroyed. Um all right. Uh, what else? Maybe happened? maybe Stephen Amell has a huge problem with Bad Bunny. That would be amazing, honestly. If we have like a a celebrity, what would it be like a five way? You gotta have like Bad, Bad Bunny, Pat McAfee, uh, Stephen Amell, and who am I forgetting? Logan Paul. There you go. A mill shows up on the ramp and he just calls out Logan Paul. He's like, Logan Paul, you failed this city. <laughs> It'd be like the biggest pop of all time. <laughs> Dude, and hey, they're about to start the match. Everything's great. And all of a sudden, fucking Floyd Mayweather's music hits. And he comes out with there with his entourage. Six way now. Best celebrity wrestler. I would say Lawrence Taylor, but I think he's too old at this point to wrestle. Maybe maybe that will motivate him to be a part of it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, at this point, Logan Paul is the best celebrity wrestler of all time, right? I would have to say so. I mean, Logan's just shown so much in such a small amount of time. Um, Well, Andy Kaufman. So second. Andy's a little bit different reasons. I don't think Logan could... Uh, I don't know. Andy was just so good against the audience and making them want to come and watch him get his fucking ass kicked. Yeah, people just naturally hated Logan Paul. Andy Coffin was a beloved figure on Taxi. Yeah. <laughs> and had to go make fun of, you know, Tennessee until they hated him. <laughs> yep. That that, so that we- is a that 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 is a good question. We should do a poll or something on Geek Vibe Nation's Facebook of which one is your favorite celebrity, if you had to pick one. Yeah, dude. I mean, we just kind of named all of them, and definitely with uh, Andy Kaufman involved. Maybe, um... Should we put the, uh, the sweetheart from New York City who helped Hulk Hogan? Fuck's her name. Oh, Cindy Lauper? There you go, Cindy. <laughs> okay. I just took a shot in the dark, because you said, what's her name? Mr. T, too, I guess. If anyone votes for Cindy Lauper, that's just like an indirect vote for Captain Lou Albano because they were like friends. And he randomly ended up being her manager for a while. So, so awesome. So All right. Great. All right. So we uh, also had, um, what do we have going on? Um, who cares about that? Uh, Tomas Champa and Miz 
Ciampa won the first match. Miz somehow won the second match. We're probably going to get a third match soon. All I know is I forgot. It's been a while since I fucking heard it. There was a report from a one of the good publications. I can't remember if it's Fightful or who it was, but they're just waiting basically apparently for um, Johnny to be ready. And then I think DIY is getting back together. So if that's the case, I mean, I like that Ciampa is being way more fucking aggressive. I, I can't remember what exactly happened, but I feel like Miz fucked over Ciampa to get this win. So they have a third match. Obviously, Champa should go over. Um, but yeah, just uh, you, I, I want to see DIY in the tag division. That's what I really want. It's it's Miz's first win in like two years, by the way. It's fucked up. <laughs> it's fucked up, but it also points to how good the Miz is because like he's still somehow stupidly relevant. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, like uh, like there was a weird stat that Observer put out there where he had lost like his last 85 matches or something. I'm telling you, and I was talking to a good uh, friend or friend of mine, uh, Mike O'Rourke. He's he's a he's a he's a strange guy. He's never been on the show though, I promise. Anyways, uh, about this concept, and I think I've mentioned it to you. If Matt Cardona comes back, I would love them to do an angle, and especially since the guys are like friends in real life, where he kind of, first of all, Matt Cardona is not going to go by fucking Zack Ryder, and like the whole concept of them, it's him, Miz, Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, is they're sick of fucking being dicked around, and that that's kind of like the reason why they're, they're going together and maybe they could even not really like go for too many buzzwords, but like say that they want that they have like direct problems with triple H or something like that. Like, you know, they're fucking sick of this shit because I am, I don't know. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it, man. Bullshit. What are we talking about? When I think hard, when I think Cardona, it's the same thing as Randy Orton. I feel like you do something with Cody, but with uh, Zack Ryder's past, you could make him in in tag team with Edge or something, because he was an Edge head. So maybe you could do something cool there. Uh, but I, I I don't dislike your idea. I'm just thinking about it in the wheelhouse of what WWE does. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just very Mine basic. Mine's bringing some realism to shit. You know. WWE likes to do WWE. If it's Never. realism, then Maurice is about to win the title. <laughs> She's going to show up. She's so beautiful, and she has those beautiful giant eyes of hers that are just, they glimmer. I mean, uh, I love her. I love her because she's so ride or die. <laughs> Nice lady. All right. Um, yeah, looking forward to DIY kind of um, coming back apparently soon. Uh, Sonya Deville, I already said that was nothing weird. And then we had Owen Zanes and Rollins versus Mysterio, Balor, and Priest. And Judgment Day actually got it over the uh, baby faces. Good match. And I like it because, you know, the they're on the outs. They're having issues. They have been having issues, especially between Damien and Finn. 
and they well they just beat the tag team champions and the fucking champions so it can kind of throw us off that they're getting along so i'm just wondering where this is going to go i have a feeling it's going to be with damien helping uh get finn balor the fuck out of the group so we'll see that would yeah i'm going with the same path you're going with the the actual tag champions don't mean anything here really um it i was surprised that sammy took the pin yeah but but out but outside of that like this just uh fucking teddy long put you in a tag match player kind of match yeah a lot of ways for sure kitty what do you want why are you headbutting me all right aew dynamite you ready to talk about how mjf has no friends or never has had friends and has never played a co-op video game yeah (laughs) dude I know we're going to talk about the entire show, but I'm going to go ahead and put it this all on front street. MJF is fucking great. And oh, if you have to turn one of these motherfuckers heel, it should be Adam Cole and not MJF. You should have Adam Cole screw over MJF and have MJF be the baby face. Cause like he is the most over baby face, even as a heel pretending to be a baby face in the match. He is still their biggest baby face in AEW. I will admit that I, going into them going in this direction, did not like it at first. And now it has gone from that to being my favorite storyline on Dynamite uh, that I'm looking forward to progressing. So kudos to, you know, Tony and well, whoever was involved in the, the creation of this. But you kind of have, I mean, think about this. If you look... You know, when they were going against NXT was going against AEW, the fucking biggest heels were MJF on AEW most of the time and Adam Cole on fucking NXT. Um, and that's when Adam was. And I'll, I will also say it looks like Adam's been hitting the gym a lot. He looks like he's, you know, I, I, I hope he keeps on adding a little bit more muscle to him. But, you know, back then he had his fucking group. He was the champion for a ridiculously long period of time. I don't think he has a record anymore, but I'm just saying. And he was cutting these killer promos and a lot of times beating all the other people within the company. So um, I love them together. I love that Adam Cole, Chris, kind of like (laughs) starts going back to being a heel. And then he kind of shakes his head and he's like, wait, what the fuck? Like he kind of doesn't want to go on the dark side. But MJF is so fucking funny throughout this whole entire thing. It's great. It, he was easily the best thing on the entire show. And I like Adam Cole. This is nothing against Adam Cole. But, like, there was very specific things that MJF did. One, him talking about, like, I've never played a co-op game before because I didn't have a friend. <laughs> was really fucking good. Also, That's his, like, good. comeback. Like, you know, they were doing a bunch of shitty things to him. Big Bill rips that shirt off the, the, uh, you know, the combination of him and Adam Cole's shirt. And he like kind of does like an ass tug with it. That was like, <laughs> that was the comeback for MJF. Also MJF teasing the fucking Hulk Hogan, Andre body slam. 
<laughs> and yelling, you guys want to see a body slam at the crowd? And they just all, everyone popped for it. And then, like, when he hit the comeback after his shirt got ripped off, he had the hot tag, and then he hit the fucking body slam. Dude, that place lost its mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was it's so simple, but so great. MJF is so fucking good at wrestling. <laughs> the man is on a different level than the rest of the roster. And uh, if I had to compare them to anyone, it'd be like, this weird combination of tag team is almost like, they haven't started arguing yet, but it is like Daniel Bryan and Kane, kind of. You know, I could definitely see that, and I and it seems to be coming out. If it goes full heel and before whoever fucks over the other person, like if it, this gets to the point where maybe Adam Cole, he came back from fucking something that he should have been done with wrestling, the, the, all the, the amount of concussions, but he came back, Everyone was so happy to see him, and he embraced him was a baby face, but Adam Cole's a really good fucking heel. So how the hell does he do that? He joins with MJF, and they have maybe like a Tully-Rick relationship going forward, two biggest heels. He fucks over Roderick Strong, and they beat the shit out of him. I mean, this is a really good way, if they wanted to, to take Adam Cole to being back to one of the better big heels in the company. So it's interesting. I know that they're trying, like, there were two weeks two weeks away from Wembley, right? So they're obviously trying to build that match. But, you know, sometimes you don't have to do that. It is okay to have, like, a tag match of MJF and, you know, Adam Cole being friends, as long as you pick the right tag team. You know, if you have them win, like, some big high-profile tag matches, you could just have them go against FTR. You know what I mean? Well, isn't am I am I wrong? I could I, it might be for nothing, but this tournament, this mixed together tournament itself, isn't it for a tag team title shot? It is, but the the end goal, I think, of what they're going for is Adam Cole versus MJF for the actual title at Wembley. I would do it, dude. I think what you're saying makes more sense. Have them win the whole tournament, and then it's FTR versus them. At fucking Wembley. For the yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying copy WWE, but if you look at like, you know, the Rock and Stone Cold or Rock and Mankind or Stone Cold Mankind or the Rock and Mankind or Brian and Austin, it works when you get this weird company, like weird, like group together, not company. But when you get these like weird tag groups together and they're both like kind of on fire and they're probably like some run with it, like make money off of it. <laughs> Don't immediately make them turn on each other. You might as well, you know, ride that thing into the ground as long as you can. Jericho and fucking Kevin Owens. Right. Like they, what, that was the best thing on WWE. They rode that fucking thing into the ground, right? They were just like, this is what we have. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely fucking agree with you. And, that was the main thing. They beat Brian Cage and Big Bill, like we said. But all the stuff, all the vignettes, everything involved with them is my favorite storyline going on right now uh, on AEW. And I'm, I'm liking multiple storylines. Like, obviously, everything that's going on with the Blackpool Combat Club and the Elites. And we're getting fucking blood and guts next week. The fact that Kota Bushi 
is in the corner with the elite um, and then taking uh, the place of Brian Danielson. Basically, evil from uh, the UK, Brian Danielson, Pac, is going to be the person for that. So that's exciting. So I have not seen this like wish list. Have you heard about this? This AEW wish list. I was listening to uh, Tom's podcast, uh, friend of the show. Uh, he was talking about the um, AEW not to use, like that uh, MJF had brought up, which is like, you know, maybe we don't hit each other in the head with chairs. Maybe we don't bleed on the audience. Maybe if we don't, like, there was like a lot of like very specific things that are specific to yeah. AEW. So you keep on talking. I have it uh, listed up. Fightful uh, was the one to release it, but I screen grabbed it, so it's going to take me a second. Oh, wait. No, I found it. All right. So this is uh, – damn it. Fuck. Where's the start of it? Things things to be approved by medical where, – where's the beginning of it that tells me? Fightful Select reports that AEW has issued a safety protocol for wrestlers and has banned some stuff from being used in the ring. Um. Now, I don't know if this is something to go in effect, um, but I've heard like other major outlets besides even Fightful talk about this. But banned things include protected chair shots to head, which I think that hasn't happened. Usually when you try to hit someone with a fucking chair to the head, you're sliding it off their head as opposed to hitting them straight up. So. Yeah, I yeah, that. it's always it's always one of those weird things in AEW where they don't actually mean to do it, but they do it. Yes, because if there's a straight on headshot, usually someone gets their hands up. The one time that uh, it got fucked up was. Uh, God damn, what's the guy's name? that was like 10, 10, 10. Oh, um, fuck. Uh, damn it. And he's another wrestler. has two names because of WWE. Fuck, I can't remember. Well, anyways, perfect. It was the perfect 10 and they gave him a gimmick chair and it ended up almost like murdering <laughs> Cody Rhodes. With the gimmick chair, because he was supposed to take the straight headshot without getting his hands up. It was supposed to be that—that that was the entire gimmick. But it like splintered. It was like a weird wood chair or something. It splintered everywhere. Yeah, that was fucking nuts. All right, so that <clears throat> shots to the back of the head, just in general, buckle bombs and blind moves backwards into the turnbuckle. I'm really for that for WWE and them. Uh, I am more for it for AEW because they do this more than WWE. WWE has high-profile wrestlers that have those spots that they do. But when you say a black, like a back bump, a lot of their luchas are taking like those weird back bumps. Like those uh, diving elbows, like if you do like a, a second rope dive back, that is the same thing, essentially. Yeah, no, it is. So it has to apply to both. I, I wonder what they actually mean to that. It's like just don't power bomb, don't do, don't Seth Rollins is basically what they're saying, I guess, in that statement. But like basically, it's just like you know, make sure the opponent you have is protecting themselves. The uh, you don't put them in a situation where they're where where there's no way you could take a like a bump, basically. Yeah. The only two people that I knew that I've seen use it is Kenny and uh, Strickland. They've used a buckle bomb before, but I do. I hate that move. I hate moves like that. It just, I completely agree. Uh, fencing responses, which is unnatural position of arms following a concussion. Oh, 
What does that mean, Chris? Uh, well, repeat it real quick, just yeah. so I can remember which one you're talking. It, 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 there is, they're basically talking about the Matt Hardy situation with the concussion syndrome, but I, I can't remember how they worded it. Okay, fencing responses. So an unnatural position of arms following a concussion. Yeah, it's Matt Hardy when he slid off that fucking table with so uh, someone's knocked out and they look like they're fucking knocked out. That we should not go on with a match. You just call it. That uh, makes sense. This one I had, which I, we it, said two years ago, by the way. Like that was okay. the, like WWE. Like we give WWE a lot of shit, and we give AEW a lot of shit. But like we specifically, I remember us both being like, there is no way in hell that Matt Hardy should have continued to wrestle that match. And there definitely was no way in hell that he should have wrestled another fucking hardcore match the next week. Yep, uh, I completely agree. Uh, next and, one. And go could, ahead. I, I was just going to talk about how, like, Rebby Hardy was a hundred percent in the right of being like this company does not care about the people on on the roster during that time period. When she said that, that was it was completely right what she said because they definitely did not care about the health of her husband. That match should have been stopped. Like we watched a man fly twenty feet, slide off a fucking table into concrete. And Yep. And then he was just like, I'm okay. It's like, dude, no one is okay from that. What did he do after that? Climbed scaffolds fucking so stupid. I don't even um, so, yeah, I agree with that. You agree with that, obviously. Seizure cells. I completely agree. I think it's in really bad taste. People fucking die from seizures. Kids have died from seizures. I don't want to I don't want Brian Danielson specifically or a person that has head trauma pretending they're having a fucking seizure. I've always it, thought that was fucked up. It should only be done if it is a big payoff where the person is going to go away for a couple months. And then come back after it, like you know, like uh, like Terry Funk losing his eye, or uh, Dusty getting his knee broken with the cinder block or something. If you're gonna do it, you should go away and really sell the fucking thing, you know. But the what they're talking about specifically is like Daniel Bryan's like, oh, I know all you fans know that I almost died and I retired that one time, and then I came back. And, and then he's acting like he's foaming at the mouth and like uh, his legs are fucking twitching, and he's just actually doing it. To fucking lure someone in, I forgot which match that is, but yeah, I, I I could go without that type of shit, honestly. Yeah, me me too. If you're just gonna just do it randomly and it doesn't really mean anything, what the fuck is the point? But like, if you know, if he got beat down by like five people, like you know, like the horseman beating down Dusty, that was the prime example. And then he went away from two months, and you're like, oh, my God, is Daniel Bryan okay? Is he really okay? And you had to think about it. Then it would make more sense. But, like, if he's going to do the whole spot, and then he comes back, and he's just fucking fine the next week, it's like, why the fuck even do it? And also, it's kind of just disrespectful for people that actually do have seizures or, you know, what if something does happen to you, and, 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 and like, the medic thinks that you're doing a bump, but you're not? It's just kind of dumb. Yeah. Um, all right, another one. Spitting, bleeding in the crowd, weapons or projectiles in the crowd, taking drinks or food from guests in the crowd, or physical contact with the crowd. So um, they, sh- they, they should have just called this the MJF rule. 
No, no, I was just saying, so this is like half John Moxley into MJF. Yeah, uh, Moxley bleeding all over everybody and MJF like stealing shit from fans. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So stupid. Yes, none of that should happen. I completely agree. I disagree with the spitting thing because I think a, a a good heel loogie, like a you know a Bob Orton loogie or a, a Naito loogie, if placed well, can be really just make sure it's meaningful and that both parties are acceptable of it. Well, I think beforehand, kind of ring doing it, they don't want you spitting at each other in the crowd because they don't want anyone in the crowd getting hit from your spit. <laughs> Like, oh, okay. Okay. I, I so when I heard that rule, I thought they were just talking about like like Naito, like hucking loogie on somebody. No, and then just hitting his roll or whatever. That's like a stone cold stunner, are you kidding me? Well, um, I mean like Bob Orton used to do it, uh Rick Rude yeah. used to do it as well. Like there's a lot of heels that did it. Um so I was like, I well don't take that away. I mean if the other guy is fine with getting spit on, then that's you know that's a conversation they should have outside of me caring but now it makes more sense yeah don't spit on a fan that's like real shitty especially as expensive those fucking tickets cost AEW out here with your fucking $70 like seat 300 up in the bleacher seats but yeah no I stupid. like I want to go to an impact show too bad they just came um, I know Raw looks a little bit cheaper I think they're coming next but I'm AW, I've been, I'll go again, but it is expensive. It's a little bit expensive. It's uh, great. The, the, those those ticket prices when they went to Canada is were was stupid ridiculous. <sighs> it it uh, is not justifiable of, at all. No, and, that's, and the, that's, that's not even a shot at AW. It's a shot at the ticket industry in general. So yeah. No, I mean that's that same thing with uh, concert tickets. But anyways. This one, I, I, Chris, I just want to let you know, this is listed as something banned, and I think it's only on here because this has happened, but uh, blood on objects should also not be thrown in the crowd. When the fuck did that happen? Was that there, was, there, was that, there was that one match where Jericho hit that dude with a cooler. Or, or... There was blood on the, the cooler that hit someone in the head. Right. No, no, it was Moxley. I, I appreciate it. I remember messaging you. It was that first match where it was all around the stadium and Eddie Kingston poured gasoline on that dude. Oh, it was going to set, set him on fire. He was going to set Brian Danielson on fire. Uh, he was going to set his own teammate on fire, which, by the way, might have been the one of the best wrestling things I've ever seen. Because, like, the, like, and they didn't follow up on it. That was the problem. It's like they should have followed up on that, but you know, AEW is gonna AEW, I guess. Uh, he's in, <laughs> in Japan getting ready for the uh, G1 tournament, man. Uh, he's he's, he's, he's gonna, gonna set Okada on fire. God damn it! No, uh, <laughs> I'm proud of him for getting that damn title, though, for being the uh, New Japan Strong Heavyweight Champion. That's awesome. So, hope he has a good showing in the G1, and I can't. Yeah. To see a match between, are they in the same block, uh, Naito and uh, Kingston? I'd have to look up the blocks again. Okay, I, that would I, just be very violent and fun. I would think they're going to put him in a block with like either Naito, uh, like Tanahashi and Okada, or Naito and Sonata, right? You would just yeah. think that that's what they're that, that that's what they're going to do, but 
yeah, I, I don't without the blocks in front of me. We talked about the blocks previously, but without them in front of me, I don't know. But he, that's awesome, honestly, because he is in some way like a the modern Terry Funk. You would think going into Japan, he'll be like the modern Terry Funk. Oh yeah. So uh, I, they've done it with Lance Archer and other people. But like as far as like a brawler and someone that has this huge respect for Japanese wrestling in general, like he should be super fucking over in that tournament. Yeah, I would have to assume so much. Um, I think he's gonna have a good time, man. I definitely do. I'm just happy for him. Um, also, we, I, we we might actually get to hear him come out to some DN, DMX because you know Japan doesn't give a fuck, so, which, would be, which would be great. <laughs> no, they don't. What do you want us to play? Play this. Oh, is it is it okay if we play it? Yeah. Okay, cool. There you go. There you yeah, see like, like if we hear dun 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 you're like, that's Eddie Kingston. He's gonna go beat the hell out of Yano. <laughs> oh my god, I wanna see that too. All right. All right, so so I'll quickly go over this. This is <laughs> things that need to be approved by medical and coaches. Spots and bumps to the ring apron and outside. Uh, table, ladder, chair spots. <laughs> Hold on. In, let's, in, stop. Let's, let's stop on the first one. Every match in AEW has a, a bump to the outside or a bump on the apron. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so maybe just using it for one of the matches that it would mean the most to instead of having four of them in a row since there's so easy to possibly injure yourself in that situation. Uh, I don't know, you know, but like approval, Chris, obviously means they just want you to talk and, and, and run it by them. So because... uh, approval means that Jeff Jarrett has convinced someone to actually let him book matches, which is like, maybe we don't blow our load in the first match on the fucking card by doing this stupid ass spot. All right, hear me <laughs> out. First match. Don't need a ladder in it. All right. Um, so it's his, the, it, I mean, it's the Stone Cold theory. So, like, the people that are, you know, they're going to let do that is going to be the main event. Just basically don't bust your load before the main event. <laughs> like, you know, if you put someone through six tables, which AEW is very guilty of um, with some of their past two pay-per-views, of, like, we're going to do this huge hardcore match, but then later on we're going to do a huge hardcore match. And it's like, well, we already saw it. <laughs> yep. is, I, I think that's what that rule is for is like they're not saying don't ever do a, a dive to the outside or don't take a bump on the apron they're just like these should be important things so when it happens uh it, it, you know maybe save it for the guy in the main event or whatever so i totally get that it's kevin owens's fault he broke Sami Zayn's back with the pop-up power bomb and then everybody started doing those fucking apron spots <laughs> Yeah, dude, and they've gotten fucking crazy. I think the craziest, like I said, Spanish Fly, where Will Osprey almost killed himself and fucking busted himself open. It's uh, probably why this rule exists, is because they saw that Spanish Fly. They're like, nope, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it just like some of this, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, did, did Shad Khan, like, just hear something in an email from someone like, hey, this is on uh, Twitter, and he was like, what the fuck? Maybe saw like Sting taking a jump to the outside, looked up that he was he's he's fucking sixty something. Like I don't know. It could have been something like that. 
Uh, I, 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 real quick while we're talking about this, I want to give a shout out to Logan Paul on this because he was like, "Oh, we fucked up," and then Ricochet just fucking sent it. And all he could do is in midair turn his body to the side in mid like fucking front flip on a Spanish flight. Like that's some hardcore ass athleticism and also knowing like, oh, this went sh- this went very shitty and I need to protect myself. Oh. Um, and, I, and this is nothing against Ricochet. It was just a, like they tried to do too much and just got the spot got fucked up. But like. The fact that Logan Paul at this point in his wrestling career was like, oh, this is going real south. I need to turn to my side. He went through that with his shoulder. Oh. So. But he didn't land on his fucking head because, you know, like, if he didn't make that decision to turn his body at the last minute, he would have just been dropped on his fucking head. Yeah, that's not going to be a good time at all. and, and and Logan Paul is not the kind of guy you would want to drop on his head because he doesn't need WWE's money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like WWE would have to worry about getting sued by a very rich family too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but like if you go back and watch that spot, like and this is a shout out to Logan Paul, and it all, it kind of speaks to the fact that he is actually dedicated to this and enjoys doing it because he. One, they were trying to do like one of the craziest spots I've ever heard of in my life. Like fall off the ladder, land on the top rope, and then do a Spanish fly. It's like it's like Ray Phoenix and Penta may be able to do that. Like there's like no no not even Penta. Like Ray Phoenix and Commander, like falling off a twenty foot ladder, landing on the top rope, and then doing a Spanish fly as the rope sags. That was the original plan. <laughs> it got fucked up and then. Ricochet just sent it. It's like, the fuck. But yeah, go back. Like anyone out there listening, go back and watch Logan Paul turn his body as he goes through the table. And then he posted on social media, like how busted up his fucking shoulder was. That could have been his head. Because uh, the, the way the table splintered, like the tables went into his shoulder. So his entire shoulder was like basically got stabbed by a table. That could have been his head, <laughs> essentially. So. Shout out to that guy. I just wanted to put that out there because I didn't talk about it when we were talking about Money in the Bank. But it was like for someone that's not been doing this for that long to have that much self-awareness and within like 10 seconds, that's pretty goddamn impressive. No, you're absolutely right. Definitely is. All right. Um, let's continue with AEW. I'm trying to think of like any of the other big things that happened. Um, Ruby Soho uh, defeated Sky Blue, and she moves on in the old tournament. <laughs> Things that happened on the show. Sky Blue's outfit. <laughs> That's... Uh, so is the cameraman like, what's he doing? Uh, actually, we know what you're doing, man. Is it a <laughs> work for WWE during the Attitude Era? Like, what's going on here? I, I was just thinking, like, Jeff Jarrett got one of his boys hired on camera from back in the back days. <laughs> that girl, Sky Blue? Anyways, yeah, that was a mess. <laughs> I mean, also good on Sky Blue. I'm not, this, is, this is not an insult to her, but, like, it did feel very much like a, like, 
early 2000s type deal. Yeah. I, 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 I just haven't seen anything like that on TV in a while. <laughs> Where I was like, they're, they're okay. <laughs> I guess we're doing this. <laughs> but uh, there was that, and uh, she didn't win. I think her mom was in the audience, or was that the one beforehand? I can't remember. Anyways. Nick Wayne's Nick, mom was on the audience. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, the Nick Wayne? I was No, I was talking about uh, Sky Blue's mom, but I think that was on Rampage last week. But Nick Wayne's mom was in the audience for his match against Swerve Strickland. And um, Strickland won, but I thought it was a really good match to show him off. Uh, I, I think Strickland knows him from beforehand. I'm almost positive because I know that he goes way back with Darby. But I yeah, they, I think they worked in Evolve and in the like the the PWG in that eastern area or, or western west east area. But this is a good match, man, and I like that Darby Allen had a watch. You know, at first he was like cheering on his friend, but now it seems like we're going to be getting some type of uh, rivalry between Darby Allen and Swerve Strickland. They've put on good matches before in the past, and I think this would help both of the guys because I don't really know what Darby – Darby was Orange Cassidy's tag team partner the last couple of weeks. So let's get him doing something. All right, I have three things I'm going to unload. <laughs> you ready? You ready? Okay, so the first one, the role that they have Adam Cole in, if they would have just turned Darby Allen Hill, or not Darby Allen, but a, a Jungle Boy Hill at the pay per view, like I predicted, he could be doing this storyline with MJF, and it would be the exact same fucking thing. And then you wouldn't have to worry about two weeks from now, like, oh, we really need to resolve this before the pay per view. So that's yeah. one. <laughs> the second one is. They spent a lot of time building up Nick Wayne. And then they just had him lose clean. <laughs> the fuck was the point of that? It didn't help. I mean, I know he was comfortable wrestling the guy, but it it didn't really help like swerve. And it didn't help Nick Wayne. The fuck was the point? Like I basically watched a guy get like a, you know, September 11th tribute video and then just get beat clean. Buy a heel. That's some WWE shit right there. Uh, and in in the, the the third one is like, after all of that happens with Nick Wayne, like he loses the match. The fuck does it have to do with Darby Allen? Because <laughs> he didn't really do a good job of telling me like how Darby. I mean, I know, I know, but like if you're a casual viewing fan, like, why does Darby Allen give a shit about Nick Wayne? That's that's the thing. They they hope that you know all that information because, yeah, they did like show vignettes. But I mean, some people miss shit. So they expect you just to know to be that diehard fan. Um, and that's why they get a decent amount of viewers, but they don't change. They go a little bit lower, a little bit up, but they don't really get, you know, to giant levels. I don't know. Yeah, it's. It's it's just one of those things. It's like uh, uh, Tom was talking about on his podcast yesterday, and he was like, 
I was fine with Nick Wayne losing. I was like, I'm, I was fine with Nick Wayne losing as well. But why the fuck even book the match? Because it didn't, it didn't do either guy any favors. <laughs> it's like, if Swerve wins the match, he beat a guy that's never been on TV before. Right? <laughs> no one's ever seen. And if you're building up the guy to have this match, it doesn't do him any favors by fucking losing it clean. I was like, just don't do the match. Like, or, you know, put Nick Wayne against or someone else. Yeah, I I have to agree with you. I definitely have to agree with you. Um, I, it, they basically used him as uh, something to be a part of a way to get Darby Allen and Shane Strickland in a feud. So he wasn't really highlighted. He was just a part of a, you know, reason for to, there to be a feud with two wrestlers already on the uh, the card. Out of all the times where CM Punk has, could have showed up and been a dick, this would have been one of those times when they were giving the finish to that match. Because you'd be like, oh, so you want me to make Roman look really strong. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to beat the hell out of the rest of the shield. But make Roman look really strong. He's like, wouldn't making him look really strong just him beating me in ten minutes, like like ten seconds, you know? Like it was kind of that. It was like why the like the match doesn't have to exist, especially if the if the feud is not going to be Nick Wayne versus Swerve. That was the thing that threw me off the most is that it's Darby versus Swerve. They built up Nick Wayne, he loses clean, and the feud that built after was. I don't know, do you, Tony Khan? I don't know shit about wrestling. It's not like I've been, I mean, I know he's a huge fan. He's been watching it for a long time, but apparently he's been watching fucking bad wrestling for a long time because that was a shitty, shitty angle and a shitty book job of that match. I'll personally say that I'm looking forward to a feud between Darby and, and Swerve Strickland. I like both their work. They've worked with each other for years in the past. So if we actually can get their characters out there more and not, you know, get them on the mic and kind of build them during this. Darby's already been built, but Shane's fucking Swerve Strickland is one of my favorite, like, you know, wrestlers in the last couple of years. And now it's like, he's got like five guys randomly with them, the whole bandana on the face. Like, I don't know. Get why, first- I mean, why did they put him with Keith Lee and then turn him heel? Like, dude, no one knows. No one fucking knows about that. Because my nieces were so into Swerve when he showed up, and they were and they were doing Swerve, Swerve, Swerve. Like when his entrance hit, they were like, "Dude, Swerve is awesome!" And he was like doing like backflips off Keith Lee's chest. It's like, why would you turn this guy heel? He's a lucha. That's like turning Rey Mysterio heel. It doesn't fucking make any sense. Um, but if if you by the uh, kill switch. Uh, gimmick from uh, Robert Rodriguez. You know, just go back to the uh, Lucha Underground days for him, too. You know, the worst part about the entire uh, Swerve thing is they did this heel turn where he turned heel, and then Keith Lee just disappeared for like six months. And then they, like never, the, they uh, never gave you a fucking payoff of it. No, they barely did. But like, how do you like that Keith Lee went back to the uh, black you know, dyed hair with no giant wizard beard. He's not coming out with a staff and saying, you shall not pass. Um, do you like that I, better? 
look, I mean, I care about I care about it as much as Tony Khan does, which is not at all, apparently. There you go. I get it. <sighs> Racing too. All right, so let's. Uh, we already talked about the fifth announcements. We had a bunch of hubbub, and then it just came down to finally who's going to be on each team. The bastard pack uh, came and you know beat the crap out of Kenny from behind and revealed himself. Are you excited? That the Golden Elite is now together in Kota Bushi. I'm, I'm assuming this will be a long-term thing, but that Kota Bushi is involved with AEW because I'm very excited about that. Yes. I'm excited about Kota being there. I'm not excited about how they did this because Pac is in the Dark Triangle. Why the fuck is he a part of this? They didn't explain the blow-off of the Dark Triangle. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. I was like, okay, anyways, I'm going to go hang out with these guys. (laughs) Kind of shit. But as far as, like, the match and the people involved and uh, Coda coming to AEW, all that stuff's cool. I just don't, like, 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 why the fuck was Pac so pissed off at these people, I guess, is the big question. And and what was he so pissed off about that made him leave the, the trio team he was already a part of? Former trio champion Pac. The only thing I'll say about it, obviously there should be some type of reasoning if this is him leaving the fucking dark triangle. But I don't I I, I really would rather Pac be go back to being a bastard uh in the singles division for either the TNT belt or even the heavyweight belt. I just think that he's a good package wrestler than just be the random British guy in the dark triangle. Um, I mean, if they're trying to, if they're going to try to make like um, the bullet club, cool bullet club gold, cool. You know, I would think that Pac would need to recruit, you know, that's a good- the Lucha brothers, the dark triangle should come with him like as the outsiders and show up with like black and gold gear on get, get pinned to some, like a new kit. Yeah. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see him uh, involved in this. It's going to be a lot of good wrestlers. We're going to see probably Pac and Kota Bushi do something crazy off the top of the fucking cage. Yeah. Please Um, don't drop Kitty on his fucking head again, though. That'd be like if, if 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 anyone wrestling Kenny Kenny, please don't drop him on his head again. You should Jesus. be. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, we don't need to do that. Jesus Christ. Maybe that's the video that Chad Khan saw. With Kenny <laughs> yeah, yeah, where they put out all these guidelines was like his superstar Kenny Omega getting dropped directly on his fucking head. <laughs> that would do it for me <laughs> if I was giving these guys like three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year. That might be the time to put out the HR fucking guideline book. Oh, and now the other thing is like now they have Kota Ibushi who only takes bumps like that. So (laughs) have fun with that. God, Kota, like I know, I know he was very obsessed with like Dynamite. They're not Dynamite. Yeah, Dynamite Kid and fucking uh, Tiger Mask. But like, God, this whole thing and it's. 
<laughs> it was it was definitely in the eighties, but like it's definitely the all Japan King's Road style that obviously was really bad in the nineties. We've talked about this. It's awesome wrestling, but like Kawada and, and Misawa just dropping each other on their fucking neck. Um and then you combine that with the Noki's strong style, which is hitting each other way harder than people normally do, and it's fucking brutal. And people just need to stop dropping each other on the neck. I don't care if it's a spot where Kota Bushi fucking from the apron back suplexed uh, fucking Naito. I didn't need to see that. One of the first ones, Chris, that I ever watched was the backwards uh, fucking um, suplex. Uh, what the hell is it called? That 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 came. Uh, the the tiger suplex on um on Arcada. Oh my god! Who, who is the only man in the entire world that would not die from that move? I am convinced. Both of those were just like I didn't need to see that, and it's it's. Ugh, there's too much of that. Remember, you should you should definitely go back and watch that Arcada bump though, because what he does is he takes the you know he takes the the backflip. And he puts his hands down as he's landing, and he springboards he springboards himself up, and then lands again, so that he his head is like never touched. But also, he's fucking Okada. Not like there's there's not a lot of people that could do that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like it it just it just very. I've seen Will Osprey more than once, like get dropped and drop people right on their fucking head. Right on their neck. So it's just like, just remember, Misawa is, is a god to a lot of people, especially when it comes to King's Road style wrestling from all Japan. And I feel like he was the the more popular overall baby face. Um, he died from getting dropped from a normal back suplex, just too many blows to the neck, and it severed his fucking um, what you call it, a uh, spinal cord or spinal column. And he died instantly from a broken neck, basically getting decapitated without actually having his head cut off. So, yeah. Yeah, Perio, uh, was it Perio Argaro or whatever? The the one that Rey Mysterio hit? It was similar. Yep. Taking those neck bumps. And then he had 3619 or, or 619 on him. And his neck just moved slightly and fucking dead, dude. Like don't maybe don't fuck around with your neck i mean i i get this shit happens but don't do it on purpose and if you are going to do it on purpose it should be like a huge payoff like you should be coming out with a neck brace for the next like three or four months building up to like your big feud dude that's the thing if you're going to do dangerous shit in any level whether it be that type of stuff whether it be weapons um you know, or a big table spot, like when you have, like I said, someone in their 60s jumping from the ladder in the middle of the fucking ring to the outside uh, through tables and knocks out one of his teeth and fucks up his 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 cheek, uh, cutting it open and shit. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that might honestly be one of the dumbest things ever. Because like, why the fuck is Steen doing that? And also, why the fuck is Steen doing that? <laughs> we'll just double up. And not the, even on a pay per view. It's not a pay per view. It's a fucking TV show. Who gives a shit? Such people a just want to. People just want to see Sting do the splash and put him in the Stinger Deathlock. That's it. He doesn't. He's Hulk, he's Hulk Hogan at this point. He doesn't have to do. 
It's like he's like, I'm going to follow suit to my fellow wrestler, uh, Great Muda, who retired this last year and had a whole year. Watch out. And obviously his knees are, are even more fucked up than Sting's. But Keiji Muto didn't really do too much crazy fucking shit his last year. And Sting's like, well, I got to make sure I jump off a ladder to the outside. Dude, I don't even remember Jeff Hardy doing that. Like, <laughs> I got to be honest. Well, that that was, like, even the, like, TLC stuff that they did that was super fucking crazy and intense, it was because they had built that storyline up between those tag teams, between the Dudleys, like... It was a payoff. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is crazy, man. Like Sting hitting a fucking splash onto two tables. It was not, that was not a fucking pay. Also, who gives it? Like, I'm going to pop the same amount if Sting jumps off a ladder or if he just puts a guy in a Stinger deathlock. He's he's fucking Sting. He doesn't have to do that much. It's the same yeah. thing with Taker. You know, when Taker got old, we're just like, we're just happy to see Taker. You know, like. <laughs> Is he going to hit? If he hits the tombstone, it's all good. <laughs> no one cares. Yeah, we, we would rather not stuff risk. But, anyways. Yeah, uh, you didn't see Taker's fucking ass jumping off the goddamn ladder. That would, shit would never happen. <laughs> I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> Even though he used to do a Tope Super Cena um, <laughs> over the top rope. But he only really did that. Like, when you go back and watch it. He he did he definitely did not do that shit against Goldberg. He's like, I don't trust this guy. Fucking catch I don't think he ever did it again after fucking Jimmy Snuka's son, who was uh, the cameraman, wasn't in spot to catch him. And if Sean didn't fucking shove him into him, he would have just face planted on the goddamn ground. Dude, did you like? You know, there was a random cameraman that showed up. Like you've heard that story, right? You're talking about the that that's the first one. That's the first Sean H uh, became match. Yeah. So that guy was out of place. And then a random other cameraman showed up to help Sean with it. And also, like you said, Sean, like just basically gave him the biggest shove of all time as he was landing to be like, I cannot, I cannot catch your big ass. And to be fair, Taker was like 300 pounds and most normal people cannot catch a 300 pound thing flying at them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like at least just catch them like a ball and make sure they land safely. I mean, maybe Brock Lesnar, he probably could. This is exactly why Samoa Joe doesn't do as much shit either, because like he got fucked up by that. Was that tag team that uh, had the Road Warriors manier, manager for so long? Um. Oh, God dang it. It was like the book of it was it was something with a book. I forgot. I know who you're talking about, though. Yeah, they dropped <laughs> Joe like twice. <laughs> like Samoa Joe got injured twice by those fucking people. Samoa Joe, someone who has wrestled in the X Division and did those dumbass matches, got more injured working with those fuckers than he did in most of his time working in the X Division. It's like, it, it's Samoa Joe. He's going to, like, just tell Samoa Joe not to jump over the top rope. <laughs> like, yeah. If he's gonna if he's gonna do it, you two big motherfuckers should be able to catch him because those guys were like fucking huge because they were trying to build like a road warrior type tag team with them, and that's why I, they brought in uh, the manager from the road warriors. I, 
I can't remember their name. Uh, it was like the know. book, the book of Apocalypse, or book. It was a book of something. And then they well, uh, made a, they made a, the, uh, God, why can't I not think of that guy that used to be on Impact? The guy with the blonde hair, uh, Spud, Rockstar Spud. They made Rockstar Spud their manager when they went to the main main roster, and then they made Rockstar Spud piss himself. And it's like, who the fuck is like? WWE. Yep. Triple but, uh, Triple H Triple H is doing a really good job. I'm just gonna put that. He Rockstar really, is Rockstar Spud's not once pissed himself since Triple H has took over. No, he has definitely not. Um, all right, let's go over a couple things from SmackDown and then we'll do um a preview of the couple things that are gonna be on tonight for collision. I'm going to probably do one of my double TV nights because I have no life, Chris. And uh, uh, we got basically Collision, and it's going straight into um, their Clash of the Champions. I forgot what the fuck they call it. And on the other television will be TNA, Impact, whatever the fuck you want to call it, Slammiversary. So I'm going to watch a lot of wrestling by pass out at eight. So. Do you want a hot prediction? What? Slimeversary will be better than every other show. <laughs> Probably. But Collision, I'm, I, I've been enjoying Collision for the most part. I don't know, not usually too keen on the out special um, that they do, but whatever. Uh, let's talk about SmackDown, though. Like I said, there's a couple okay. things to talk about. Yeah. Uh, what's up? No, I like, yeah, let's go. Um... I'll just say there's three things to talk about, I think. Uh, we got stuff that's going on with Bianca and Asuka, and obviously in this situation, they're having a good match. Bianca and, and Charlotte had some words at the beginning of it. Uh, both uh, both Charlotte bought a ticket to the show, um, and so did Bailey and Io. It's amazing. They just give away tickets like to the fucking front row for the wrestlers that already worked for the company. It's fucked up. That's all I got to say. That's a favoritism i think that that should not be allowed anyways so they were there for the match it looked like eo was going to you know uh basically put in uh for whoever was going to be the person hurt you know what i'm saying basically cash in that's what i was trying to go for too bad um and charlotte was going to be there to stop it because she wanted bianca to beat her because she's more obsessed, I think, in the concept of the two of them going against each other. Uh, while it looks like they're kind of pitting Geo against Oscar uh, in a way, sort of. So, inter- interesting. I feel like this is going to be a four or a five way, including Bailey for Smack. That I just feel like that's going to end up happening. I would rather singles match, um, but we'll we'll find out. But anyways, the ending was Charlotte. Um, or Bianca doing the KOD to uh, Asuka right through, or not through the table, on the table. And then at first we had Charlotte try to take out Io, who was trying to smack her in the back of the head um, with her Money in the Bank briefcase. Then Charlotte went to do her spear to Io, uh, or maybe it was Bailey. They got out of the way. She hits Bianca, uh, DQ. And then afterwards, Io realizes 
you know, takes it and smacks Charlotte in the back of the head. So everyone's down. She's about to go in and Asuka baits her. Um, she's about to do her moonsault. Asuka jumps up and grabs her title and gets the hell out of there. Um, so cool ending to the whole thing. Like I said, I like the women involved with this title on SmackDown. Um, I think they're doing a good job. I do want a singles match at some point between Bianca and Charlotte, and then separately between Asuka and Io, uh, because, well, actually, both groups have really great chemistry, uh, to be quite honest with you. Chris, do you think this is going to end up being a four-way or five-way, possibly, for the title at SummerSlam, or will we slim out and just have, like, two people? Like, where do you think this major feud is going? I mean, it could end up being a four-way match like you're talking about. Uh, if it was me, I would just, just separate them and then book the you know 2v2s and call one like a number one contenders match or some shit. But it's WWE, so you're probably spot on as far as what they're going to do. Um, Bailey's super fucking over, so if the idea is to keep her heel, they're already fucking up. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And I called this when she came back originally. I was like, dude, she's been gone for like a whole year. Bring her back. I don't know. This is a very WWE thing. Because um, they're the most guilty of this I've ever seen. Like, you, you can go back to like Seth Rollins coming back or Triple H coming back. They give them like two days after coming back. And they're like, oh, no, they're bad. They're bad guys again. Yeah. That's like you. They had like. Especially when they're bringing in like Lita and Trish and, you know, Becky was going to be wrestling. It's like, this is the fucking perfect time to bring in Bailey as a babyface again with a side ponytail and have her just get a promo being like, I've missed all you guys. I was on the path of, I, I should have been on the path of righteousness, but I was on the path of wrong or whatever, you know, like one of those generic ass promos. People would be like, hell yeah, Bailey, tell them. <laughs> I would love it if she's back as a baby face, but what are you going to do? Um, but I like everyone. Like I said, these are all great female wrestlers. They're all within for the, you know, uh, SmackDown. I don't know what the fuck we call it anymore. I forgot. I'll just, <laughs> I don't remember over the shit, but the one for the person on SmackDown that is held by, that is the one I'm referring to. There you go. Um, another big thing that happened, Chris, Jey Uso came out. Uh, I thought he cut an awesome promo. I love Solo and, and Paul Heyman coming out and Solo kind of trying to intimidate his brother. And he do, he's not having it, man. Not only did he get a couple super kicks on Solo, he got the super kick, the walrus right in the fucking face. Knocking fucking Paul Heyman on his ass. Thankfully, that's saved by Solo, and you have Jay looking like a monster, trying to avenge his hurt brother, trying to take down the tribal chief, going into SummerSlam. So, good job extending the story. They're even they're able to do this when Roman's not on the fucking show. It's incredible. It, it really is incredible, and it has to be from the brain of Paul Heyman. Do you think it, it, it was a good idea to get kicked in the face? 
I mean, was it, he had to take a bump for it, so it had to be like at least partially his idea, right? <laughs> yeah. Which actually, you know, for someone that has not taken a bump in a very, very long time, I'm going to give the Penguin a little bit of credit here. He uh, was not that bad. No, he wasn't. No, he was not. Um. All right. Uh, but let's I, I really don't need Paul Heyman taking a lot of bumps, though. Like, I get, I get what they're doing, but, like, Paul Heyman's just shocked face on the outside is actually better than, a, like, him interfering with a match or... Just because the, the physics behind it were magical, when fucking Brock Lesnar F5'd him through the goddamn announce table, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> what a visual. What a visual. I mean, they should have definitely paid that off more. I mean, it's Brock Lesnar, so he only has so many dates or whatever. But they should have definitely paid that off with, like, Paul Heyman being like, I'm gonna sue you! Kind of thing. Because he always talks about how he's a lawyer and how he's a, like a, which he's not a lawyer, by the way, guys. Spoiler alert. He's um, not. <laughs> he's going to defend his clients. He's, he's got his client's best interest. If Brock Lesnar dropped him on, a head, on his head with a German or something, he would think that there would be like a whole separate thing to that. And also, it'd probably get over because people like, oh, wrestling's fake. And then they say, like, see fucking Brock Lesnar throw this guy, like, 40 feet in the air and land on his neck. Like, wrestling does not seem fake. Yeah. Give us that respect, bitches. Um, here's a cool concept, really small, besides the last thing I want to talk to you about, which was involving with the U.S. title going forward. Um, Street Profits were waiting, dressed nicely in the parking lot. Um, and, uh, all of a sudden a limo came up and it was Bobby Lashley who, uh, was picking him up to have a conversation. We haven't seen Bobby in a while. This is a interesting situation going on. So are we getting somewhat of a hurt business type of uh thing? I think everyone keeps on fucking asking for it. So, uh, what, 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 what did you think about this? Uh, I don't know. I'd probably do something different than Bobby Lashley, but it wasn't terrible. Fair enough. I definitely would like to see what's going to happen from it, but yeah, uh, you know, maybe just keep on going the direction they were going. But if if we if we consider involving still Shelton Benjamin um, or Cedric even, and then also. It's got to have – it's not going to be any type of hurt business or good unit, I don't think, without um, – god damn it, well, I can't think of his name. Manager for hurt business. MVP. Thank you. Thank you, my my uh, brain. But anyways. Um, oh, Are you talking about that guy that yelled at Jericho? That's just hilarious. MVP. Very very uh, impressive. I wish I could have seen that. Um, Dude, me too. And also, I wish I could have saw that fight. Because <laughs> obviously, Jericho did not want the smoke. I wouldn't. All right. So, the U.S. Uh, champion Invitational. You got two Ferrari matches. They had one of them tonight. I think Austin was good on commentary, just being a dick deal, um, like he's usually good at. But you had Grayson Waller. 
Um, I'm calling him fucking Pete Dunn, Santos Escobar, and AJ Styles. I got to admit, we didn't know who the four for the other match for next week is. So I kind of wanted AJ to just win this thing. And we could just have him and Austin Theory because I think that would be fun. And he, I mean, Austin Theory's already beaten Edge and John Cena. Maybe he can get another legend. But two Atlanta boys, uh, similarities. But Santos Escobar ended up winning this match. And uh, good for him. There you go. You got anything? No, because I don't remember anything specific about that match. Yeah, it was. I, I it, there were some cool spots, but it was very fast paced, and uh, just like most fast paced matches, I kind of like you know start looking at the squirrels outside. I got too much ADD, man. Uh, but <laughs> during it, it AJ was taken out because Karrion Cross was destroying um, uh, his dudes uh, with a chair and choking them out. So. Yeah, I guess we're doing that. Yeah, there did. So, you, did you watch this week's episode of NXT all the way through? No. Did you see the? In, well, well, you, you just told me the answer to the question I'm about to ask. But there's like Tony D'Angelo is like uh, can, he's convicted of a crime and he has to win a match to get out of jail. What? Yeah. That that's the exact storyline. All right, uh, but they don't tell you what the crime is. I was like, can't you just do that with like everybody? And that's at, at least Ilya Dragunov's killing it. Um, but yeah, it was was that pretty much it? Was that all of SmackDown? Oh no, no, no. So the uh, four for next week, and now I think I definitely know who should win this and beat Austin Theory. Uh, we got Rey Mysterio, Cameron Grimes, Sheamus, and L.A. Knight. And L.A. Knight, all the other ones have been yes. L.A. Knight comes out, pop like a motherfucker. Everyone's screaming, yeah, doing the whole entire thing with him. I mean, dude, he. I think he should go in this match. Um, I think he should beat Mysterio, Cameron Grimes, and Sheamus, beat Santos Escobar, and then beat Austin Theory at... Uh, SummerSlam. Yeah! <laughs> I, li- I like that idea. Alright, well in that case, I hope everyone that was listening enjoyed our show. Went over a bunch of stuff for you. Sorry again about last week. You know, sometimes we can't always get a show done, so we're back better than ever. We gave you a lot of content. We appreciate you. At the top of the show, I told you all the different ways you can listen to us. Um, you can just basically Google search Wrestling Geeks Alliance and find multiple options just from there. Um, and, yeah, we hope you keep on listening. Chris, thank you so much for doing the show with me. Say goodbye to all the lovely people. Goodbye, lovely people. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, it's at Chris R. Patton. On Facebook or Instagram, it's Christopher.R.Patton. Spelled the traditional way, like St. Christopher. But, uh. Hope everyone has a great weekend, great week. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's all I got, Dave. That's all I got to say about that. Wait, that was... That's all I got to say about that. Is that Stone Cold or is that uh, Forrest Gump? Uh, Stone Cold. I mean, well, both. (laughs) I mean the Austin one. 
But uh, thank you guys so much for listening to us. We'll talk to you next week. As always, let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And as always, peace out.